to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company. Served by Chicken Cock Whiskey and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells all the way. Touchdown, Gamecocks. Pressure. Curly just dives in. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and built by the Barndominiumco.com or the Barndoco, but you can find them at the Barndominiumco.com where that dream home can be built on that precious piece of land in four states for as low as $160 per square foot. If it's in the Carolinas, if it's in Georgia, or if it's in Tennessee, they can take care of you. The Barndoco, as they're called around here. Chicken cock whiskey, of course, serves us. We've got plenty of that for tailgating tomorrow. And you can find some as well by checking into the Chief app and click the Chicken Cock Challenge and type in wherever you are, whatever address you may be. It'll show you who's got it in your neck of the woods. And we hope that you'll bring it out tomorrow as you prepare for the Gamecocks and the Wildcats tomorrow night at Williams-Brice Stadium. As you make your way to the ballpark, you will notice, as we do every week, as we all do every week, that Signorama is the preferred sign partner of the Gamecocks for a reason. They are the best in the business. Matt Vaughn, Gamecock, owned and operated in West Columbia, and they do a fantastic job at keeping Carolina clean, fresh, and looking good. Signorama.com. JB, JC, and Phil here until 2 o'clock today. It's a packed show. We'll move quickly, but you will enjoy it. We'll be checking in in about 35 minutes with Derek Scott out in the desert. The Gamecock men will play tonight at 11.30 Eastern. You can listen, of course, on the Gamecock Sports Network, and if you want to have it on TV, it will be on the CBS Sports Network. I would encourage you to listen to Derek and Casey call it from Phoenix at the in the noon hour, we are always supposed to be joined by Michael Flynn. A little bit of a scheduling conflict on his side today, so we'll bump him out and bring in the next guy, and Michael better hope that this next guy doesn't steal the show because if he does, Flint's gone. John Strickland will jump in and do our analysis in hour number two for the Kentucky-Carolina game. And then coming up in hour three, a very special guest picker will join us today. He's one of the best running backs that I've ever seen put the uniform on here. The way he ran and the way he did things, Corey Boyd uh, will join us around 1.30 this afternoon as well. Don't think we'll have Corey with the video, probably more than likely just the audio side of things. 
but uh, we'll let him pick some games. I talked to him briefly this morning about Mario Anderson, and let's just say that he likes him. Uh, it's neat to get the analysis of a guy who is as good as Corey was. Corey's a great guy, and he's been a great friend for a long time, too. So excited to get him in here as well. We, of course, will get into what happened last night in embarrassing, embarrassing blowout for the Clemson women's basketball program at the hands of Dawn and her ladies. They are good. They know they're good. And they're probably going to do that to a lot of more teams coming up. Last night, it was the third straight game over 100 points and not a better opponent on planet Earth to do it against than Clemson, defeating them by 69 in Colonial Life Arena. That was fun. There's no doubt about it. But tomorrow night should be fun, too. Darude will lead things off at 415 in Gamecock Park, setting the scene for Kentucky and the Gamecocks. The Wildcats will walk in at 6-4, and 3-4 and four in the SEC, needing a win to get to that 500 mark. Carolina needs a win to get closer to bowl season. If they get it, it'll be their fifth, and they'll wrap up the SEC season at 3-5. and five. williams Bryce Stadium hoping to be sold out. It's 77,559. Todd, Tommy, and Chet, of course, have it on the Gamecock Sports Network with coverage beginning at 4.30 tomorrow afternoon statewide. But on TV, you can watch it if you're not going to be there. Tom Hart, Jordan Rogers, and Cole Kubelik have it on the SEC Network. Sirius Satellite XM Radio, Channel 109 or Channel 190. A win over the Wildcats, guys, would keep the Gamecocks bowl hopes alive, as we all well know. It would extend their winning streak uh huh, to three games. Of course, that's the longest of the year. And it would give them back-to-back wins over Kentucky for the first time in a while since the 11 through 13 seasons. Doesn't seem like that. It also, though, would improve Shane Beamer to 8-3 and three in the month of November as the head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. Carolina leads the all-time series 19-14-1. The trend for a while was in favor of Kentucky, but Carolina's hoping to get their third win in the last five games against the Wildcats this weekend. With all of that, I know it was a long intro, but a lot to get in with how much we've got to get in collectively here today. You look good. You look good, boys. Thanks to our friends, uh, uh, Perry and those guys at Britain's in Columbia for dressing us as they always do on Fridays around here. Yeah, man. Always thankful to have a nice shirt to put on there. Britain's does it right. I need all the help I can get. Well, you got that right. <laughs> we we never discuss what we're going to wear either. Like, so it, it's always like the, the wheel of shirts, like yeah. who ends up with the same shirt, uh, on during a day. So it's, uh, anyway, uh, yeah, looking good, feeling good. I always enjoy wearing the Britain shirts, even though it's cold outside, I just have to put a jacket on, but certainly thankful for Perry. Uh, they got a lot going on. Um, it's a night game tomorrow. So you come into town, head on over to divine. Get you something snazzy mm-hmm. to put on for the game for Darude. You know, he's got stuff uh, that'll, that'll get you looking great over there at Perry's. And feels great, looks great, high-quality stuff. Perry's, uh, I'm sorry, Britain's. Perry's the guy to go see there uh, on Divine Street right there in Columbia. Yeah, I uh, as I say every week, I love these shirts and cannot thank them enough for for what they do guys uh we'll we'll touch on the basketball real quick because we're going to be just consumed with football today as 
we well know. I, I tweeted this last night. Um, first and foremost, collectively as a team, number one, South Carolina is good. Uh, th- this is a different team than Dawn's ever had. This is the most a- most athletic and most talented team she's ever had, in my opinion. Um, they run up and down the floor. They can score. It's scary at the pace in which they can score at if you're an opponent of them. I don't think that it, it really matters uh, who they're playing. They're playing, in the words of Dabo Sweeney themselves, um, when, had they not turned it over a lot last night, they probably would have scored 140 points in the game, which is just unbelievably scary to think of. But I tweeted last night, <laughs> as good as they all are, it's all five stars. You realize that, right? The, the entire team is loaded with five stars. Malaysia, eight, be exact. <laughs> eight, eight five stars on one women's basketball team. It's insane. Um, Malaysia full Wiley. I've never seen anything like this in women's basketball ever, ever. And I'm not a historian of women's basketball. Uh, clearly have watched it plenty. We all clearly have taken a deeper rooted interest since Dawn Staley arrived at South Carolina and they began achieving the things that they could achieve. But prior to that, you know, watching what Pat would do up at Tennessee and what Gino would do at UConn, those were generally the the most that you would see. Watch what Tara would do out at, at, at Stanford and things of that nature. We've seen a lot of players over the years. I mean, a lot of them who are unbelievable and they're in the, who can shoot. They can make moves, you know, big, tall, fast. So there ain't never been one that's, that can do it like she can. Uh, the flash, without making the mistakes that go along with it, and she is a freshman. Holy smokes. I mean, <laughs> I just started laughing last night watching that second, you know, uh, behind the back pass that she threw. My wife looked at me and said, what are you laughing? And I said, this cat here. She's just insane. So get out and see. I can't. I'm going. I got to go see this girl play and the rest of this team play. They are just a blast to watch, guys. Yeah, no doubt. I'm hoping uh, is is the tournament in Greenville again this year? Oh shoot, I'm not uh, sure. I don't know. I don't. No. I don't feel like it is. It might not be. They. I know they rotate it through, and I know it was last year, so it may not be here. Either way, I'm with you. I've, I'd love to go. I'm, I'm, I definitely have decided to take the girls to one of the games now at the CLA because uh, it'd no, be fun it to get into that rocking environment. You're right, Phil. You're is right. It it's it's back right. in Greenville. Yep. Yep. It's back in Greenville. Good place to host a tournament. I like the well. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, yeah, I do too. It's a great place to host that tournament. It's really great for the SEC. It's kind of a central location if you if you want. Well, kind of. Uh, if you want, it won't, won't won't be when Oklahoma and Texas get here. But um, yeah. <laughs> well, you you have your two largest fan bases that follow women. Well, I mean, there's three basically. Uh, LSU certainly now that. Kim Mulkey's there and follows it, but Miss it's Mississippi State, South Carolina, Tennessee—they're the biggest tickets, and you know I think the women's game still is at the point where you just can't throw up a neutral site and you know and you know go to take it to St. Louis one year like they do the men and expect to sell tickets. So uh, Greenville, obviously, being three and a half hour, two and a half hours from Rocky Top, and you know in the state of South Carolina, uh, and then you know it's not that bad of a drive for those Mississippi State fans over. Uh, and, and, and and Phil's right, you know Greenville. I, I went when the men played in the first and second round there. Yep. Boy, I mean that place great, was loud. It was and neat. everybody that was there, you know, the Duke fans, North Carolina fans, Marquette fans, Arkansas people that were there, they all were very complimentary 
they were like, wow, we didn't even know this place was here. Uh, of course, I think they all moved there during the pandemic, but uh, <laughs> it's now it's, it's overflowing <laughs> with people. But, uh, you know, because you, you got your hotels, your bars, your restaurants, it's all walking distance from the arena. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's the setup the NCAA looks for. And I, I do think the men's tournament's coming back here, you know, in a spell. I think yeah, I feel like I, I like Nashville for the men's tournament. There's not, but you know, they, you know, they've toyed around with it being in Florida and things. I mean, you know, come on, like there's, they, you know, there's not that built-in SEC fan base down in Tampa, you know. Yeah, and it's 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 in Nashville. I think the next twelve years or something. It's a long. They're wow. gonna do it like Atlanta for the football. Uh, you know, I, it's and you're right. I mean, Nashville's perfect for the men's. SEC tur- SEC tournament, heck, it's perfect for uh, a Final Four. And when they build the new Titan Stadium, it's going to be a dome, and there will be a Final Four in Nashville. I promise. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're right downtown there. The arenas there, hotels, all the fam, and it is centrally located. You know, and, and you do again have, you know, schools that travel for basketball. Kentucky travels. Arkansas travels. Uh, the Alabama schools are kind of right there. Tennessee's right there in state. Uh, you know, it's it's a good spot. I, um, I, guess, I guess the year Odom and those guys went to the finals uh, up there in Nashville, I was living there. And I went first round, missed the next two because I had to travel for work, had to be in Athens, Georgia. Uh, came back up, though, on Sunday and went to watch the championship game. It's tremendous, you know, tremendous uh, atmosphere and very nice arena and all that. But um, – you know, I I like Nashville and Greenville a lot as far as uh, just spots uh, to have basketball tournaments. I agree with you. I think that I think you're that fits the footprint of the SEC. If it's not going to be like in Atlanta uh, or something like that, which I'm fine with that because I hate Atlanta. So good for the SEC and getting out of there. Of course, they probably need to relocate to Atlanta, but nobody asked me my opinion on that. It's eleven seventeen. Make sure if you haven't, uh, you should log into the or you don't have to log in you just open it the chief sports app and uh, play the salsaritas fab five challenge with uh, a chance to win a fiesta pack from salsaritas in columbia if you sit in the south end zone cockaboose club that area salsaritas is down in the south end zone as well and um, they have fantastic food so we hope that you will divulge yourself into some of that maybe after you are divulging yourself into Darude tomorrow before you enter the ballpark. Again, it's a 7.30 kick tomorrow night on the SEC Network. Plenty on that throughout the afternoon. We will talk a lot about what we'll see from the Wildcats. Uh, we will talk. We will make our picks today. And there are a, a – there, clearly, we've talked about it, but Xavier Leggett and Spencer Rattler can really start moving moving up the chain here this weekend. Kentucky also has some things on the line. 1,000 is a big, big benchmark for four players, four, that wear the big blue of Kentucky. Four of them could eclipse that mark tomorrow night. We'll tell you who that is, what we're talking about, and more. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. (laughs) 
Hey, Gamecock fans, Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Price Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297 803-543-6297 Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, ellipticos and more Proud partners of Carolina Rise Inside the Gamecocks and the Chief Sports Network CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com 843-388-0999 Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season This crowd, the atmosphere that's going to be in that stadium ready to explode just as they do each time their fighting game are introduced so this frenzied crowd ready for the kickoff. And the rave breaks out in Columbia. And what you're about to see is a spectacle unto itself. Let's enjoy. There really isn't. There really is nothing like Saturday night at Williams Bryce Stadium, where almost 80,000 will be in there tomorrow night. Only a few hundred tickets remain. Most of those are tickets returned by Kentucky in the East Upper as well. Uh, Gamecock fans will be loud and proud tomorrow night. More on that in a moment. Quickly, last night, Boston College fell to Pittsburgh. <laughs> There's a reason why Pittsburgh was favored at 2-8, and eight and they won. Uh, so, uh, J.C. said it yesterday. He was done with B.C. Now I see why. <laughs> they, <laughs> They're just severely disappointing, my friend. Oh, yes. Oh. Ooh, yeah. All right. Well, okay. Uh, six and five, three and four in the league are the Eagles. Pitt is not going to the postseason. They're playing for pride at this point in time. Hats off to them for getting that win last night. Tonight at nine on ESPN2, uh, formerly Jeff Scott's South Florida team that won all of four games in three years under his leadership has won five this year. No shot intended. If they can get a win, They'll get into bowl season, but they're going to do it or have to do it on the road in the Alamo Dome against UTSA and Jeff Trailer. You might get a good look at the next Texas A&M coach tonight. They're 6-0 and in the American and 7-3 and overall. 10-30 on the Fox Sports Network. I'm sorry, on Fox Sports 1, Colorado and Washington State. Identical 4-6 and overall, 1-6 and Pac-12 records in Pullman, where Washington State is a Four point favorite, but we all know your eyes tonight will probably be 
on Gamecock men's basketball, if you're watching this program, more than likely. Also, reminder, at 9 o'clock, you've got Gamecock women's soccer in Palo Alto in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So go, ladies. This could be a good week for the for the women of the uh, University of South Carolina. So let's see what happens there. As it pertains to tomorrow, Mad Dog and Schubert, the line sure has flipped. Carolina now a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Kentucky after opening earlier in the week as two-and-a-half-point dogs. Oh, I knew it had gone down to Kentucky minus a half, but – just that thing just keeps on rolling, doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of money coming in on, on the game cut. That late money is usually a pretty good sign, although I felt good about it even at two and a half uh the other way. But yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Pull out one. Gotta have it. Yeah. Gotta have it. Um by the way, I meant to mention this, and I'm gonna squeeze this in now. It's in my notes. We, we sat there and talked about Malaysia full wily. And I, I really deserve to be hammered for this, for somebody not pointing it out, too. Raven Johnson had 17 assists last night. 17. Okay, that was in my notes. So, Raven, if you're watching, I am sorry, young lady. Uh, you had a night to remember. It's the most in the SEC since 2005. So, congratulations. To, I mean, they, they did the whole thing. He doesn't great. mean it, Raven. Put him on your revenge tour list and just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is on me. That Don, Don said something interesting after the, game, after the game, too. Think about this for a second. Think about all the players. All the players every year that are on that roster. Don said after the game, well, this is how Raven likes to play. We just haven't had the personnel for her to be able to do that. <laughs> well, they're what? a different – yeah, this is a different style of team. I mean, yeah. they've been kind of – they run up and down. Working around, pounded in the post with the big girls and play defense. And this is a uh, – well, hell, they're still playing defense, right? <laughs> they're just uh, running up and down the court. And right now, I think I think Don kind of got sick of the, the pseudo-criticism toward the end of last year. Um, I don't blame her. They couldn't shoot. As good as they were, they could not shoot from long range. Yeah, it's been that way for a while. They, they, have, they have not been the best shooting and scoring team of – uh, this team can, and it's the same pressure defense and same, um, you know, same philosophy on that end, which has got to be scary for the rest of women's basketball. I, I think rumors of South Carolina's demise have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, I would say so. And <laughs> Iowa mean, got beat last night too. All the top programs this year have already lost a game. That's that's rare. That doesn't happen often. Sometimes it's good not to have off-season hype. If you're a, yep. a, a, an elite program, sometimes it's good to get that fire in your butt a little bit and say, I mean, because there's not been, I mean, they were preseason, what, six? There's not been six teams better. Mm. You know? and, and, and I think people were just looking at it going, oh, well, I don't know if they're going to fix the shooting or whatnot. And, you know, Cardoso's got to replace Boston and she's not Boston, but Cardoso's pretty damn good. Yeah. Right. And and I think everybody underestimated full Wiley. Why? Why? Because they underestimate South Carolina players in all sports at all times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, even though George Edwards was number two. Um, and, uh, you know, or maybe they thought, you know, Dawn wouldn't take the reins off and let her go. I don't know what the thought process was. I Don't listen to me about women's basketball because I said Clemson would probably keep it within 30 last night. 
They, they did not find that inspiration you promised last night. That is one of their best. That's supposed to be the, like their best team. They've had. I mean, they're a tournament bubble team. Didn't look like it last night, did they? But uh, they're supposed to be. They have some well, they might transfers in. I, I don't. I wouldn't doubt that at all. I mean, I mean, Gamecocks just they just took down two top fifteen opponents by hanging one fifteen on the board. I mean, damn, bubble team didn't have a prayer. God bless, God bless South Dakota State coming up in a few days. Like, if I was them, I'd find I would hope that a snowstorm hits. Oh, we ain't gonna be able to make the trip. This team can post <laughs> six hundred points in the first five games. It's absolutely nuts. It's just, it's, just I, nuts. it's in, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this in the SEC at the at the clip in which they're scoring points. I mean, uh, one time in the church league, when I was playing church league ball. Uh, my sophomore year, I averaged twenty three point seven points per game in church league because I was really good. Uh, we beat a team seventy three to twelve. That team had girls on it, so it wasn't. It was co-ed. co-ed. <laughs> and that's what that's what Clemson's ladies looked like last night. It looked like a like that. I mean, I literally scored fifty points in that game and got a chick's number that I played against and bought her shot. <laughs> Well, that's a true story. You can ask next time you see Skipper. I was going to say, yeah, I know Joel, who to ask. Skipper that. and Joel were on that team, so you can ask <laughs> both of them. So there you go. Yeah, but that's what that looked like last night. I turned it on for about. I watched about a good two quarters of it, and then I was like, Mike, this is this is a bloodletting and awful. So, some quick yeah, national news to squeeze in here. Uh, from Ann Arbor, uh, the University of Michigan has fired their linebackers coach, Chris Partridge. Uh, he is no longer there. I guess he's some sort of a scapegoat in this whole ordeal. What is interesting, though, is who will be coaching the linebackers now. It is none other than Rick Minter, who once <laughs> served on the staff here at the University of South Carolina under Lou Holtz. Uh, so a uh, quick little nugget there. Son? Yeah, Jesse's on, staff. Yeah, Jesse's he's on, on that staff. staff. Yeah. Yeah. Rick Minter. Rick Minter had a solid first year. He's kind of started off really well, and then the end it wasn't all that good. But uh, he was he's solid. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Part uh, the guy they fired. That's their guy that was the high school coach in New Jersey. That is the reason they got that kid, this five star lineman from New Jersey that time. All that. He's a uh, good friends with Pogi at Charlotte. So I wonder if he'll resurface at Charlotte with Pogi. Potentially, potentially. I could see that happening because he, he was like, you know, a lot of those Jersey kids that, that ended up in Michigan were because of him. Uh, and what was it? Was his name Gray or something? I don't know. It was, it was down between. It was Clemson and Michigan, and he went to Michigan. And then there was that kid, Julia, uh, Jabril Peppers, that played both ways. He was from Jersey, and that Partridge was his high school coach as well. So that's, that's kind of how Michigan snuck in there and got those guys. But he's, oh, well. I guess Tuesday's gone with the wind, baby. You that is your best recruiter. <laughs> that means something. That is certainly, uh, yeah, it's certainly. And and Harbaugh will be serving a three-game suspension if you any of you missed that while the Big Ten ends uh, their investigation uh, tonight on the high school football scoreboard. You can follow along in the Chief Sports app. Uh, just a reminder, wherever you are, if you want to check on your guys and see how they're doing. There will be 22 games played in high school football tonight in the Palmetto State's playoffs. Holly Hill Academy and Jefferson Davis Academy will play at 7. 
uh, Southside Christian and St. Joe's Catholic. That's going to be a nice one up there in the upstate. They'll play tonight. Uh, you've got 22nd ranked Sumter and White Knoll. White Knoll is undefeated at 11 and 0, number two in the state. Belton Honeopath and Clinton will play this evening at 7:30. Honeopath is 12 and 0 on the year as well. Hampton County 11 and 1. Uh, they've got Andrew Jackson tonight. Great Collegiate will take on Strom Thurmond. That could be a fun one. Great Collegiate's already played. They've played 16 games this year already. Watch out here. Gaffney and Dutch Fort. Dutch Fort playing the be- their best football of the season at this point in time after a rough start. Gaffney 9-3 and three on the year, looking to put an end to all that. They'll kick off at 7-30. Chester and Daniel, they'll play tonight. Daniel is undefeated at 12-0. Gilbert at 11-1. They've got Camden tonight, Bulldogs, who come in at 9-3. and three. Barnwell and Oceanside Collegiate Academy. Best of luck to you guys at Oceanside, but I'm a Wando guy, so I hope you get your brains beat in. Barnwell, go War Horses. Uh, go get them tonight at 7.30. Brooklyn Casey, uh, they're at 10-2. and two. They've got 11-1 and one Crestwood. Uh, Westside and Midland Valley tonight. Look at that. Combined 23-1 and one in that game. Midland Valley at 12-0. and 0. Westside at 11-1. and one. Abbeville is 11-1. and one. They've got 9-3 and three. Silver Bluff this evening. Paige Wofford and Northwestern. They've Got Greenville, 9-3 and three Greenville coming to town to take on the 11-1 and one Northwestern Wildcats. Lamar and Johnsonville, they're going to play tonight. Uh, shout out to our guy uh, from, from Johnsonville. Um, I'm sure he'll be nice and sober for that one. Bamberg Lance Earhart. Yeah. That's right. Bam- Lance. Bamberg Earhart at 11-1 tonight. This is, this is interesting who their opponent is. It's Cross. Hats off to Cross. The small town of Cross has had an unbelievable season at 11 and 1 uh, but they've got a tough test tonight against Bamberg Earhart. You got uh, Hillcrest and JL Mann tonight. They're both at 10 and 2. Blackville Hilda will take on Christ Church Episcopal tonight at 7:30. They're both 10 and 2. Uh Hammond and Lawrence Manning Academy. They're both 10 and 2. They'll play tonight. Undefeated Somerville 12 and 0, 9 and 3. Carolina Forest, 7.30. Somerville in search of another state championship. Can they get it this year? We'll see. Like them in that game, certainly. And then the final two, somehow, some way, Lancaster at 3-9. and 2-9 and nine last week. 2-9 and nine. Lancaster. It was in the playoffs, which I think shouldn't happen anyways, but they were. They beat Beckham. And then they drew 12-0 and South Florence tonight because of the win. Uh, so, Lancaster, nice story in the first round of the playoffs. Might not be so nice tonight by halftime, but we'll see. But uh, South Florence at 12-0. and And then the big one uh, at the 4A level, both undefeated, 12-0, and James Island and Irmo tonight, 7-30. James Island at 12-0, and the Irmo Yellow Jackets. At 12 and 0, 22 games. I just listed all of them. Good luck to everybody playing high school football tonight. Those of you that step on the field for the last time, pat yourselves on the back and congratulations for playing high school football and wrapping up a wonderful career. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll pull for all of you tonight, except for Oceanside. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I got no, pulled no, over in no, Cross no, one time, all 100 yards of it driving through there. <laughs> Showed up to court well, in like this. Uh, <laughs> I was out. I was selling insurance, so 
I was out driving through cross and apparently I was doing like 10 over after the, you know, I don't know what I didn't, I didn't argue with them as I generally don't, but I showed up to court and court was held in this like little multi-use facility that looked like it could be converted for, you know, like a, a, you know, a dance hall. Uh, <laughs> there was a little cafeteria off to the side. A, a potluck. Like, oh, a potluck. Yeah, you, like a potluck. Like, in cross. Yeah, you held a hell of a church homecoming there. Uh, in cross. You're talking about in cross. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, the judge sat at a uh, a folding chair table. You know, like a folding table. It was it was uh, very official. Uh, <laughs> you, guys, you guys know who Gamecock Wise is from Cross, South Carolina, don't you? Rod Wilson. Rodriguez Wilson. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the great Rod Wilson. Absolutely. Yeah. We used, my family used to have a, uh, a lake house up there. We spent a lot of time up there uh, fishing on the lake and a lot of time in cross. And um, you're right. I got a ticket in Norway, South Carolina one time. That wasn't any kinder. And no. they, 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 <laughs> let's just say that guy, uh, he didn't care much for me. For hey, that's where my grandmother was born. My, my, my mom's mom. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I wonder if it's probably a relative. It might be. Yeah, he he he. What? I'm not. Never mind. I'm not gonna get into the whole story. I got out of it, but they weren't thrilled that I got out of it. But uh, you know, sometimes you know, knowing people helps, and and I did. Uh, Big Wash, by the way, said if Wando gets a good coach, they'll steal kids from Oceanside and Beckham. Big Wash, you just uh, you just sit back and relax, my man. Just sit back and relax. Good things are coming to the Warriors. I have a feeling something good is going to happen. I can I can I can't say anything. But I'll just tell you, just just hang tight. Just hang tight. Wando ain't just gonna drift off the end of the sunset. I promise you that. All right, Derek is waiting patiently. Out west. Speaking of sunsets, he's out there in Arizona. He's gonna call it tonight to Paul, Carolina. We've got him here though when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in a plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. 
Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nanasporch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. be Colonial Life Arena tonight. It'll be back in the desert where Derek Scott once called the Final Four. How does it feel to be back there? Welcome, welcome, my man. Hey, guys. How we doing? Everybody good? Did, did, well, when you got off the plane, were you like, yeah, it feels like it feels like Cinderia Stornwell around here. Like, no, yeah, I, right I back- didn't feel that way because, A, it was dark, uh, <laughs> so I, you didn't know where we were, and, B, we did not fly into the big airport. Uh, you know, when we came in here for the final four, let me tell you, that's when you knew, that's when you realized what was up is when you landed and they had what amounted to a red carpet that the team walked down to get to your bus, which was already wrapped in Gamecock, you know, graphics. It was, I mean, that whole trip, uh, you know, those were memories you'll, you'll never lose because they were so unique and above and beyond what I anticipated. So no, doesn't quite feel that way, but the, it will. I'm sure when we get to the arena, because uh, the arena we're playing in is basically across the street from the uh, from the location of the Final Four, which is is uh, interesting. The Desert Diamond Arena is what it's called now. I think Desert Diamond's a casino out here, so that's where we shall be tonight. So, so that, uh, that arena is interesting. I've actually number one, Derek. I have that exact same shirt you do, and okay. I like it. <laughs> Number two, uh, I uh, the cold, coldest I've ever been in my life is one time I was covering a football camp at the at the toaster, you know, and I was at the final four too, so obviously happier memory there. But uh, it, it was right there at Phoenix Cardinals practice field, and it rained in Phoenix. It was February. It was I was freezing, uh, but uh, I stayed right there in Glendale and walked mm-hmm. around. Went on a walk that morning, and it was where the Coyotes play with yep. the NHL. So then. I read casually 
that the Phoenix Coyotes are moving to Arizona State's 5,000-seat arena, for, and they're building a new one, and that one's just kind of abandoned out there. So what, what's the story on that? that that's the case. Yeah, they got wow. sideways. The Coyotes, who have been mismanaged from the time they were created, uh, got sideways with the operators of the building and basically said, we'll take our ball and go home. And I think the people who run the venue are like, yeah, where? And and forced their hand. And so they're playing over at the, the Sun Devils Arena on campus, which is outdated, was outdated when I was last in there a decade ago. And I don't think they've made any great renovations to it since then, unless Bobby Hurley maybe demanded they make some. But I cannot believe that's where they are. But that's the case. Yeah. And I, I you know, we were out here with the Final Four, uh, being a St. Louis Blues fan, the Blues were playing the Coyotes. And uh, and they were in town, so I went over to see a, uh, a game there. And I remember you guys know Kyle Lipsy, of course. Yeah, I, t- I, I talked Lip into going with me. He thought it'd be cool to see NHL hockey. Lip didn't anticipate the fact that you know it's an arena with ice on the floor. So he was basically freezing to death by the middle of the second period. I had to take him back <laughs> to the hotel because he was just <laughs> miserable. So I was giving him grief about that earlier this week, and he, <laughs> he of course was. He had revisionist history. He just claimed that the Blues were killing the Coyotes, so there was no reason for us to stay any longer than that. And I'm like, yeah, your 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 face was blue. I think we had to get you out of there. So, <laughs> well, uh, speaking of blue, the Gamecocks get the Blue Demons of DePaul tonight. Our t- time, eleven thirty. Your time, nine thirty. Don't worry, don't worry. Uh, Phil and I, even though on East Coast time, we'll, we'll have the radio dialed in to listen to you <laughs> in, uh, in case detail. It's very rare you get to listen to your favorite broadcaster in two days on one broadcast. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Right over, right over midnight here. Um, Want to go back though to the start of the season? It's um, it's certainly they're undefeated. That's a good start, I'd say, for, for the first time three and zero. Or uh, no, let's see. Yeah, is it three and zero for the first time since the final four year? Isn't that correct? No, no, no. If we get to four and zero, it'll be the first. 4-0. Time on the okay, three and zero. We were there about five years ago, I believe. Okay. All right. So what do you make of how this this schedule has been set up, Derek? Because I think it's really interesting. We didn't talk to you about this last week when we had you on. Um, really more focused on the players. But um, but it's really unique in how if, the, if this team gives itself a chance, it's a schedule that can reward them at the end of the year because this is going to be their fourth game tonight, and it'll be their second on a neutral floor that – thriller that we saw last week against Virginia Tech that you so brilliantly called was a great win for them and if they can get through tonight they're going to have their third and fifth coming up on Sunday um uh, third and five games I should say in a neutral site so what do you what do you make of that and how it could potentially impact this team I know it's doesn't matter now but a long ways down the road well I, I you know I think it was um put together you know obviously the difference between this year's schedule and last year's is Lamont was able to dictate the terms of how this schedule looked, whereas the previous schedule last year he inherited. That one was put together by the previous staff, and that was before, obviously, the roster was blown up with the coaching change, and it ended up being a really bad fit for that that team last year. This year, this schedule is put together absolutely the way Lamont wanted it. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, playing in this event, I don't know that this was necessarily a priority, but th- these groups that put these events on, this one's called the Intersport. Intersport puts together a lot of these holiday tournaments or preseason tournaments, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so I kind of get the impression we were throwing a bone to Intersport to come out here this year to get into an event next year that we want to be in uh, with a little more 
a few more challenges in terms of the caliber of opponent. Uh, but at the same time, with a team building like this one is and trying to get confidence and figure out, you know, who fits where with a brand new roster, I don't think it's a bad thing at all uh, to come out here for an event like this and face opponents who are not, you know, you know, I guess you could say DePaul's in a power conference as far as being a Big East team, but they have been at the bottom of the Big East. I think they finished last in the Big East 11 of the last 15 seasons. Uh, so you're you're not talking about catching Villanova or UConn. Um, and then the other two teams in this side of the bracket, you know, San Fran and Grand Canyon, again, not saying they're not quality opponents, but they're not they're not power five opponents either. So I do think this schedule is put together with, in, you know, keeping in mind that this is a, a team that needed some time to maybe figure out how they fit together. Uh, and so far, the results have been really positive. And hopefully uh, at the end of this weekend, we'll be able to uh, still be able to say that. Now, if they get the win tonight, they'll play our time, 7 o'clock Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if something unfortunate happens, they'll play at 4.30 on Sunday. And uh, Derek, of course, will be on the call for for both of those as well. Um, yeah. Yep, go ahead. Uh, yeah, Grand Canyon, don't don't sleep on these guys. Right. Yeah, that's good, good team. Two out of the last three NCAA tournaments, coached by uh, the Clapper. I call him the Clapper, Bryce Drew, because he lost every game at Vanderbilt with a bunch of five stars one year and clapped his whole way, and I appreciated that. But he's <laughs> resurrected his career, and uh, they've been to two NCAA tournaments in three years. Yeah. Crazy coaching new uh, situation, though, there. All right, so they're located in Phoenix, which is no near nowhere near the Grand Canyon, by the way. Uh, it's about two or three hours to get the Grand Canyon from Phoenix, but uh, I guess they're called that. Uh, so, so another interesting thing is, he replaced Dan Marley, mm-hmm. who used to play for the Suns. They fired Dan Marley to hire the Clapper, and it's worked out. It's worked out real well. And, you know, Jerry Colangelo has pretty much run this program after running the Suns for years. He's he's a big part of funding this to make it a Division One basketball program. And wow. he handpicked Dan Marley, obviously. Uh, and then at some point, I assume he was also heavily involved still in deciding that Dan Marley wasn't such a good fit. Uh, maybe we should get somebody who's been around college basketball in the last decade. Uh, so, but no, they're, they're a quality team. I, I, I think, I, you know, we're, we're, I think Vegas has us as a four or five point favorite tonight. Blue, uh, or I should say, uh, Ken Palm has it more like seven. I will be real curious to see if we win and, and Sam Free, and I should say in Green Canyon wins, where that one lands from the uh, odds maker standpoint, because I think it'll be a pretty, pretty even matchup there. But I am curious to see, you know, how that goes, but right now we worry more about uh, Chico Carter and the Blue Demons tonight. If you want to keep up with the Lady Gamecocks, they're going to have to win by at least 69 uh, <laughs> out there in, in the desert. Um, Derek, what has impressed you the most thus far through the first three games with this squad? Uh, that they have, you know, I think I would say that they've done what I thought they do, which is shoot the ball better than last year's team. Um, but then – in the most recent game when shots weren't falling, they still kept their composure and and found a way to win. I, I like the fact that they've made strides uh, early on in terms of the areas that I think everyone would identify as weakness, uh, you know, with this, which would be defending and rebounding. And they have really consistently hit the glass better than I anticipated considering their best rebounder still hasn't been able to play yet in, in uh, Connor Murray Boyles. Uh, so I, I'm encouraged by that. 
and I really like the unselfishness of this this group. Yeah. I mean, you know, game one, I, you know, or I should say the exhibition game, uh, the lineup at, at crunch time because it was one or two possession game with Wofford did not reflect necessarily the guys you might thought might have thought it would. Mm-hmm. Same thing uh, at the end of that Virginia Tech game. Uh, you've got enough depth and Lamont is going with, you know, whoever he thinks is playing best in that moment. And there has not been any negative blowback from that. And we saw enough drama last year with this team to know what that looks like uh, and to not see any of that so far. I mean, let's face it, at the end of Virginia Tech game, Michi Johnson's not on the court. How's Michi going to handle that? Well, Michi handled that great. Didn't seem to phase him at all. Uh, and, and I like that. And and then, like I said, being shorthanded up front so far this year with no Murray Boyles, with Josh Gray missing a game, uh, and Zach Davis missing a game, and they have not uh, at all struggled to control the glass in spite of that. And that is uh, encouraging very much so, uh, so far as what I've, what I've seen from them. I, I texted you late last Friday night. I, I came up with this on my own. I thought I was creative at the time. I still do. I like it. I, I, I said they 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 attack and they answer, and then it clicked with me like, oh, they're an AA, you know. So I'll just use that term moving forward. But but it is, it's we haven't seen. I don't think Derek. I mean, in a while, a South Carolina basketball team that attacks like this, they just get down the floor and they and they. You just mentioned it. They're unselfish. They move the ball around, and and this team can hit shots which you can't really attack that well if you can't hit shots, but they've been able to do that. But the other thing I think that's impressed me and wanted to get your thoughts on this is they have had – it's basketball. Somebody's always going to make a run. The other mm-hmm. team's always going to run. And, and at times over the years, this team has failed to respond to some of those or they responded too late. They couldn't stop that run. This, this group, it's early. It's only three games. But just watching how they play, that, that seems to be that, you know, maybe there's been a fix to that. Somewhere. Yeah, uh, and certainly the Virginia Tech game was evidence of that. They had the lead throughout, but then Tech got all the momentum in that second half. And when they got the lead, you really wondered if it was just going to you know, snowball on them. And instead, they came right back out of the timeout. Jacoby Wright got a really clutch three-point play and then got the lead back and, and never relinquished it again. And that was encouraging to see because those would have been the moments in the past where you wondered if uh, with, with the crowd against you, with the other team – being a quality team and having the momentum, as you said, would they have an answer? Uh, and they did in that game. And, and and again, we're you know small sample size so far, and nobody's denying that. But I really like really like what we're seeing so far from them, and we'll be we'll be uh, anxious to see how it goes tonight. I think they're probably as healthy tonight as they've been in a while. Zach Davis is on the trip with us. Uh, told me uh, this morning he feels a lot better. Uh, Big Josh is is getting you know stronger and stronger. They both had a pretty you know good bout with uh, with illness. So to have both of those guys back and and hopefully getting a chance to contribute off the bench uh, is a real plus. How about Lamont? Have you seen any difference in him in year two? No, no, same LP. He's pretty even keeled with all this stuff. You know how he is. He doesn't get too much. He had a chef's hat on the other day though. Yeah, <laughs> that was that's a little. Yeah, what's that all about? Yeah. What is that all about? Pro- let him, to, let uh, him cook. Let him pro- cook. Props to uh, props to the graphic designers, uh, the photoshoppers out there. <laughs> whoever uh, whoever managed to uh, put the Starkville 
location of Jamie Chadwell's tweet is also maybe the same person who added the chef's hat to, uh, <laughs> do to you, Lamont in that tweet. Do, do you, going back to last year, Derek, do you specifically see what this team, like this team, uh, let, I, let me let me rephrase this. If I made the statement, I feel like last year's team was trying to do this. They just didn't have the personnel to do it. But this year's team is more equipped to do that. Like this is kind of Lamont's system. Is that is that fair? A fair way to look at? Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean he 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 was trying to implement what he wanted them to do last year. You just didn't have the pieces to do it very well. Uh, and, and now you've got more shooters. You've got better distributors. You know, Talon Cooper going, you know, 14 assists and no turnovers in the last two games. I don't think we had anyone that could have wow. uh, put those numbers up. Well, first of all, you know, yeah, the, the no turnovers over two games as a primary ball handler. We didn't have anybody who could pull that off. But there weren't enough other guys out there to make shots to to get anybody seven assists in the game last year, let alone back-to-back games. So, no, I, I really uh, – I think he's, he's identified what he needed. He – went out in the portal and, and got pieces that address that. And now uh, you just kind of figure out how the minutes work, who fits where. Uh, it's like Stephen Clark right now. Stephen is starting uh, because, again, Connor's not here yet, but he's still basically playing the minutes that I think he would have played all along, which is 12, 15 minutes. He's not playing starter minutes even though he's starting. They're just spreading them out a little bit differently. And that's, uh, and that's, you know, I think early in the season, that's what a lot of coaches work on is figuring that part of it out. What do you, uh, my final quick one for you, and we, we'll, we'll let you run here, Derek, but um, B.J. Mack, he's an interesting player. He, he just seems like you can find him anywhere on the floor and he can probably do about anything from wherever he is. Yeah, I mean, he's got low post game, uh, as he showed last time out, uh, but we know he can shoot the three. He he's a good distributor of the basketball. He's got really nice court vision. And I think sometimes when he's posting up, that's where he's most valuable is getting other guys looks and the ball doesn't seem to stick with him unless he knows he's got a mismatch and he's going to try and take advantage of it. Uh, and he's, and he's rebounding, which is probably the bigger challenge for him is consistently getting that. We saw that obviously pop up with a, a double, double, uh, the other night, and and I think he recognizes, especially right now, he needs to really be committed uh, to doing that. And I like what I've seen, and I have not yet called him BJ Mackey, uh, and I'll consider that a victory uh, in my broadcast. And hopefully, I didn't just jinx myself. But if if I did, you know, it, it'll be midnight tonight, so maybe I won't get called out on it by anybody. Yeah, or, or or Casey. I could see Casey doing that too. You know, I'm not going to mention it to Casey. If I do, then it's dead. I mean, we're 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 going to get it 15 times in in the broadcast tonight. So that, <laughs> we're not even going to bring that up to Casey tonight. Did you did you ever call Justin BJ? I did not. Okay. I, I, I think it's the BJ Mac part that is going to is, is where you can get sucked into that more than anything. But uh, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy to have uh, have that much of a uh, similarity in the same program when you're talking about one of the all time greats. Even when I, yeah, you know, I wasn't here then, but he, gosh knows I knew who he was, and I, you know, still obviously now know who he is, and uh, and so yeah, that 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 day's coming. I'm afraid, but from now we're just happy we got BJ Mack in the fold <laughs> and doing his thing. I think uh, I think BJ Mackey would uh, he he would he'd be fine if uh, BJ Mack. Does anything to top any of the stuff he did around here? Those were 
boy, that was a blast back then in Frank McGuire Arena with him and Larry and Melvin and those guys doing what they did. That was that was fun. Uh, Derek, I know that um, you know before y'all got on the plane, Coach Tanner and the boys and the ads told you to bring back two wins, so don't let them down. Okay. I'll do my part. <laughs> you always do. Can't <laughs> wait to hear the call tonight. It it really I'm so happy you're back on the air all the way through next June. Hopefully you get to take us almost into July next year. That would be that'd be a good thing. For that'd Gamecock be a real, real good thing. No question about it. Enjoy the, the trip, Derek my man. Scott, the better. Yeah, oh, absolutely. More Derek Scott, the better. It makes life very enjoyable. You're you're so good at it. We really appreciate it. All right, guys. You all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. See you, Derek. Thanks, man. There you go. Derek Scott, the great voice of Gamecock basketball. All right, this happens at the top of every hour. By the way, which, by the way, Gamecock baseball today is back at Fort Jackson getting their butts whipped. According to Kent Riker, I talked to Kent this morning. So, all right, I, that was a good deal for them last year. Got them a little Ooh, Yeah, that worked. Got team building. Mm-hmm. Rainy and muddy. I can only see Monty out there. He's probably eating mud. Cole Messina. Yeah. Yeah. Cole Messina probably killed somebody. I doubt it was a soldier, so I hope it wasn't a teammate or a coach. Cole killed a guy. <laughs> Cole killed a guy. <laughs> Boy, what, somebody needs to let Cole know moving forward, we're going to call him Brick. He just fits a brick, you know? Brick. Brick He's my favorite player. He's old school. Somebody should have reminded him it's my, not live fire. Those big old guys used to play for the Cardinals and Padres. John Crook kind of guy, you know? Crook, yeah, man. Got that hair. He's a you know? Except for Cole hits it further than Crucky ever hit it. All right. John Strickland, he's in today, filling in for Michael Flint. My gut tells me, Michael Flint, this will be a Wally Pip situation. Uh-oh. He's due right. up after Next the anthem time. here on Inside the Game. Watch the show. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Gamecocks. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. The national anthem every day is presented by our friends. Everybody's friends because they make great food. If you make great food, you've got a lot of friends. Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the Palmetto Cocktail pregame party is a week from today. A week from today at the Rockbridge Club in Forest Acres. Buy your tickets on the Chief Sports app. That includes music, barbecue, heavy or duvets. And a couple of drink tickets, and also there will be a cash bar if a, if two isn't enough. It generally isn't, at least in my household. So make sure you pull up the Chief Sports app and uh, purchase those tickets. Buy them, buy them, buy them. The Palmetto Cocktail pregame party. One week, one week away. Can't wait for that in Columbia. The next day, we all know that team from the upstate will make its way down south. John Strickland is about to Wally Pip Michael Flint, and we are all for it. Three in a row, the Gamecocks are looking – for their third straight win this week, uh, John, if they get it, they'll be one win shy of bowl season. Speaking of three in a row, it'll also be the third straight week, a miracle, that the five guys up front with the same five guys who were there last week and the week before, that's got to mean something, right? I think it means a lot. Uh, first time uh, in a while this has happened. Uh I was up early this morning on the old uh, with with Gunter, my old teammate uh, Preston Thorne, this morning on one hundred seven five, and uh, we were talking about the same thing. And um, you know, the more guys play together, 
the more they gel together, the more can, cohesive the unit is. So uh, pretty, pretty stoked to hear it. We got a comment here. I've got to laugh at this in the chat box. Well, that man likes to drink. <laughs> that is a uh, fully just... stocked uh, bar you got there, John. Oh, John. Uh, that is pretty well, <clears throat> so it's, it's It's a uh, collection slash uh, uh have a drink anytime you want at the house. That's that's the way it should be, John. You've earned that. Yeah, I um, you know, look, John, that the last couple of weeks clearly, as we well know, have not been the stiffest competition they've seen this year. Like the Jacksonville State team, though, um, Vandy's struggling. They're not very good. But <clears throat> when I look at this group, this offensive line, and and being able to hang in there and play together, it's it's more about them and less about who they're playing. I do think there's a lot of talent there. Vershawn, Gargiulo, the two freshmen, you know, Ja'Kai Morris played a lot of football. Like, these are talented dudes. It was really just about being health. So, um, you know, if anybody wants to dismiss it because of – and they didn't give up a sack last week, but wanting to dismiss it because of the, the competition level, I hear you and I get it, and I know why that would be said. It might be a little bit different if they were seeing Georgia on the other side. But, but still just getting these guys out there, being able to communicate and all those type things, uh, boy, that means a lot to Spencer Rattler. It means a lot to Mario Anderson, and, and everybody else is going to play offense for him. Yeah, big time. Um, I, I don't think we gave up a tackle for a loss last week either. Did not. Um, uh, yeah, right. I didn't think so. Uh, I thought they played pretty well last week. Uh, you know, Van, Vandy is Vandy. Uh, unfortunately, any Vandy people, sorry, Vandy is Vandy. Um but I thought they played pretty well last week. I still need to see more out of the run game, though. I, I just, you know, if you don't have that long run, the, the run numbers aren't that great uh, last week. So, need still need to see some improvement there. But <clears throat> I thought pass pro last week uh, was, was fantastic. What would contribute to that, uh, getting more out of that run game? What What is – I, I mean, really, I think it just comes down to a will and a want to, but it also comes down to guys playing together consistently. Um, you know, I was talking about this earlier. When, when it comes to O-line play, the more you play with the same guys, <clears throat> the more you know each other's uh, uh, tendencies, strengths, and weaknesses. And that helps out across the board. Um, so, you know, that's one thing we've failed to have this year is a uh, consistent, cohesive unit up front. I don't know if it was Cole Kovalik or somebody we had on the show earlier this week, but they were saying this, and you played the position, so you, you, you can speak to this. And this is this would be good news and bad news. <clears throat> it would be good news in the sense that they, they, what, what the comment was was when, it, when you have a wet field, it impacts your offensive linemen a lot more because they just can't get a grip on the ground with their feet when it's slick like that. Um, it's just hard to do, you know, and, and I think it was cold that did say that. Uh, so it's good news for the, for the Gamecocks as far as wanting to get a bigger push in the run game because I agree, last two weeks have not been good getting uh, consistent run blocking. Uh, but bad news uh, because South Carolina's defensive line had such a good game last week. You know, maybe that was part of it, that part of the reason Vandy struggled. So, uh, your thoughts on that? You lend any credence to that as a former player? 
I don't give a whole lot to it. I mean, I've played in uh, wet games before. I mean, because, listen, the defensive lineman's the grass is wet under his feet too. So it's basically a push. So really, to me, it really doesn't matter. It's all about, you know, getting on your man, blocking your man, and staying on your block. Even if you're stalemating at the line of scrimmage, if you're creating that hole, it, it doesn't matter. So uh, so I kind of got to debunk that a little bit because it's wet on both sides hey. of the ball. I mean, that's no. good with me because I, I, I was a little worried about the defensive line. <laughs> No, I, like, I just no. I, I just think I, I I think the D tackles really, especially the D tackles, have really come on the past three or four games. I mean, if you go back and watch and look, I mean, we've held teams down rushing. I mean, Jacksonville State, yeah, they had one hundred and sixty whatever yards, but they also ran the ball forty something times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you go back and look. I mean, what was their average uh, run per yard? I mean, it couldn't have been more than three. Uh, and and that's pretty good. Anytime you can hold somebody for under three yards per carry, um, so I think the D tackles have played really well in the run game the past three weeks. They they've started clicking. They got some going. Um, my my real concern, you know, so far is we just haven't got the D in play in the pass game that we need to have to cause havoc on a quarterback. I think that's been the uh, the not so bright spot um, that we're accustomed to here at South Carolina. We, I mean, we've always had really good DNs that put pressure on the quarterback, and we're just not getting that production this year. Uh, well, they've 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 begun to show that three three five a little more. John, we saw it, <clears throat> saw it last week. Uh, Clayton spoke on it earlier this week when he was asked to, and and you'll be able to provide much more depth on this uh, from a from a player's standpoint. But Clayton basically said, you know, hey, look. We'll use it when there's a when when the opponent dictates that we need to use that or the formation or whatever whatever it may be. But you know we also still kind of do what we do around here, which is run that four two five. So I guess what I'm what I'm asking you here is watching the athletes that come on the field when you shift to that that three three or that or maybe sometimes even a three four. Um, does that with the athletes we have up front versus what we have in the second and third levels of the defense? Do you think that that would make a difference trying to get some extra pressure there? I mean, I think it helps some. I would be be straight up with you. When I was in college, I remember we played Virginia uh, in 03, and they played that 3-3 like that. I loved it. I loved it. It was – oh, I was just like, man, we're just going to tear these guys up. And we did. We ran the ball all over them. Uh, I don't think it's really – I say this now. Because when I also played, Charlie Strong's defense when I played, when our defense was just killer, ran the 3-3. But we had some serious dudes on that side of the ball, too. Um, I think you'll see a mix of both this game. Um, I think uh, maybe obvious pass downs, maybe we go to it. We switch personnel out for it. Uh, Because Kentucky does play slow, so that does – uh, I, I like that for our defense because it gives you a chance to roll people in and out versus, you know, playing, you know, on the ball quick defenses. Um, I think I think we'll see a combination because, I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky can – I mean, they got a pretty good O-line and obviously Ray Davis is a, 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 a dude. Yeah, he's, he's – he, he is. Uh, he's as good of a year as he's had and he's, and he's close to – 
jumping over the thousand yard mark for the year was 71. 280 of those came in the Florida game. And since then, he's only averaged 67 yards per game rushing. John, I, I think I'm not saying that he's not a dude. That's not what I'm getting at here. I wonder if some of that has to do with the fact that they have had such a difficult time throwing the football that they're really just everybody's they're just gearing up to stop this cat. And I wonder if that'd be any different this weekend for Carolina. Yeah, I, I, I would play it the same thing. Uh same way that uh now granted they played Alabama, Missouri, and Georgia and Tennessee all had really good front seven. So, uh, you know, that makes a little bit of a difference. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> I mean, Kentucky's got some guys. I mean, Dane Key's a great receiver. I know he's a guy that we want to hear at South Carolina really bad. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think our guys can hold their own in the secondary this game, hopefully. You know, I say that knock on wood while we sit here. Um but, yeah, I, I think we need to play somewhat aggressive because, you know, Kentucky wants to run the football. I mean, that's that's, that's what Mark Stoops' teams do. They run the football. So, um, we got to figure out a way to be aggressive to stop that run. And then I think that could op- open up some more stuff for the defense to do. Y'all want to hear something crazy? Listen to this. I just mentioned that 71 yards that that um, Ray Davis needs to get to 1,000 for the season, which 71 yards is certainly attainable for a guy like Ray Davis. In a game like this, at the receiver position, John, and and this is in their in their uh, their tenures at Kentucky, two years, all of them, but Dane Key, Barry and Brown, and Tavion Robinson are all close to the thousand yard mark for their careers. Key has nine hundred ninety six receiving yards, Brown has nine eighty nine, and Robinson has nine sixty nine. Four players. Four players this weekend for Kentucky could go over the thousand yard mark against the Gamecocks. It sounds a little depressing. It sounds also pretty likely because they're only like four and five yards away from it. Um, but um, it's—I don't think I've ever seen anything like that before. Going into one game with four guys being able to hit milestones. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's pretty wild. And you know, Levis last year, I, he for some whatever reason he struggled in that offense last year. He did. Um, I mean, obviously he missed some games too, being injured, but. He seemed to struggle in that uh, offense last year and doesn't seem like uh, Leary is, you know. But I've watched some games from Kentucky. I mean, Leary, at times he's pinpoint accurate. Other times he's he's just off. So you kind of don't know what you get with him. Uh, I hope he's off all night tomorrow night. That would uh, be fine with me. Um but yeah, that's uh, that's pretty wild. I mean, and Key Key Key's a he's a dude. They just gotta find a way to get him the ball. Well, I hope they don't get him the ball. Ah, I hope they don't either. What, and if they do, I hope it's my man, Marcellus Dial, taking it the other direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, John, what we were talking a couple of days ago about um, this this new this new formation, I guess is what you'd call it, that, that uh, Coach Loggins has kind of displayed when you're getting into goal line situations. Um, with some of these defensive tackles running in there. Uh, I made the comment to JC and, and Mad Dog Molinax yesterday that, uh, you know, it's 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 neat and cute when you throw those passes and that Boogie Huntley catches it and Tonka catches one and everybody's having a good time. It's not so cute when your defensive tackle drops it and your tight end standing there wide open. People, you know, then they start calling you names for, for running that style of offense. But 
I guess what I'm really getting at here to, to utilize your expertise is what we've seen out of that seems very minimal. Like it seems kind of tricky, but it just seems like now that all that's on tape, oh, they've got a tackle and he kind of runs out here and then, you know, the tight end slip. It seems like there's a lot more that you could do with that type of formation now when you with what you've shown on tape versus what you can probably do with it that isn't. Yeah, um, there's several things you can do out of that. And the reason you got Boogie and Tonka in there, they're great athletes. They I don't are. even worry about the ball being thrown at them. They're going to catch it. They're not going to fumble it around. I mean, those those two dudes are great athletes. But, yeah, out of this, obviously you can run. Uh, you can run the play we've ran our boy at about four, four times this year. We've ran that same play about four times, and every time they leave one of the guys wide open. <laughs> so I hope that keeps going. But – there's some backside stuff you can do off of that too. You can sneak somebody out the backside because now everybody's like, oh, they they've gone to the they've gone to this side with it every every time. If you can sneak somebody out the backside, I mean, you can have somebody wide open off of that. I hadn't seen us do that yet, but I promise you, it's uh, it's in there somewhere. I, I'm glad you said that. Now I don't feel so r- ridiculously dumb. But that that's the kind of what we were talking about yesterday: being able to sneak somebody out, or you know, sometimes you might just hand the ball to Mario Anderson, and let him run it in. Yeah, I agree, I agree with that too. You know, it's it is actually really... last week. Last week when Brazel ran it down there, uh, and did we run that play after uh, Braz, uh or was it the Leggett catch? Um, no, you're talking about the play that went to that the went one that to went the boogie. Yeah, was that it after? Was that for Simon? Leggett? Simon, that was that. For... What? No, it was the Simon. Simon, because oh, it's a Simon. Simon was okay. on that end. There was two that were originally touchdowns that weren't. Right. And one one was the Leggett going the other way, and then this one was towards the student section. I think that was Simon. But yeah, okay. I couldn't same remember because I know same, I know Bradford called you know? called one down there, and they called him down on the one yard line right there um, from the student session. Honestly, John, I think it, it, I think it was Braswell. Okay, well, see, I, think it was, I was, I think it was the I was, yeah. so I was sitting with Brewer because me and Brewer set a game. So me and Brewer were just like, give Brazel the ball, line up in that formation, then just <laughs> let him score. He got you down there, like let him score. That's what I was hoping for. But hey, I don't mind seeing Boogie get a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hopefully, Brazel over the next three or four years will score a bunch of touchdowns. What do you think about that kid? He, I like him. I like watching. He looks good, man. He looks good. I think uh, you know the more and more he learns the system and becomes a better blocker. Uh, I mean, that's why you hadn't seen him this much this year. He's just the other the other guys were better. I mean, listen, to get on the field as a running back, you have to be able to pass block and know your assignments. Uh, that's just all it comes down to, and, that, and that's why you didn't see Mario earlier in the season. That's okay, right. just because he just he just wasn't quite there yet, and DK had it down, and Juju had it down better than he did, but he's come along, and we see the guy he is. Um, so, <clears throat> but yeah, I'm excited about Brazel. We have um, we have a guy you know quite well coming on later on in in hour number three, Corey Boyd, and uh, he'll pick some games with us, John nice. and. I was talking to him a little bit this morning. I said, you know, Mario reminds me a little bit of you, not in stature or anything like that. He really reminds me more of the second Mike Davis. But but yeah. he reminds me of Corey in a sense that he runs with a purpose. Do, do you see Run, that? 
Yes, 100%. Runs with a purpose. Uh, he's going to hit you, but then he's also going to make you miss, too. And Corey could do that. Uh, and we know Corey would like to hit people. I mean, going back to that Virginia game, they were in that 3-3. Corey comes right off my butt, right off my block, shoots through the line, and him and that safety. Y'all remember that? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I was yeah. going to say that when you brought that up. I was sitting early, in that end zone like, when yeah, that happened. Got, I was like, we got Corey coming up earlier, and I, I I didn't think that kid from Virginia, I mean, he didn't get up for a while. It was, it was nah, he, he, actually, he actually never played football again. Uh, yeah, I was going to so say, I, yeah, that put him out, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually uh, I listened to an interview with him uh, a few years back just because uh, – some of us were talking about that hit with Corey and then during the Virginia games, I just wanted to go check on the guy. So I Googled some stuff and I found a little interview with him, but yeah, he never played uh football again. I was worried. We were, I was sitting in the South end zone that day. I think that was 2003, if I remember right. Yeah. Um, and um, I remember seeing him convulsing. He was shaking yep. on the ground. Yeah. Mm. Man, I mean, he was just knocked out. I mean, he was just knocked out. You know, sometimes when people get knocked out, I mean, you know, their body does some stuff. But yeah, he was. Hey, I mean, I was standing right there. I mean, he's wasn't good. There you go. We've got our first one in here on the Strickland bandwagon. John is great. Flint is out. All right, <laughs> See? That's, that's what happens when you prioritize work over uh, media. You know, that's... Flint, Flint's, Flint's being a slacker. Hey, I've been busy all day. Trust me. All right. We're not busy. I mean, we have to totally stop our lives to jump in on this show for three hours a day. Hey, I've, been, I've been jumping through hoops all morning trying to, in what I do, I move oil and uh, have barge problems all morning. So trust me, I've been working. Well, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the Gamecocks don't have many of any problems tomorrow night against Kentucky. John trying to get to win number five. We'll let you run on this note here so you can get back to work. Um, your final thoughts and really the keys that you think uh, Carolina needs to – or the keys to the game in your mind that Carolina will need to excel at to pull out a win. Uh, we're going to have to run the ball, okay? Let's just put it out there. The O-line's going to have to get some push, have to open up some holes for the running backs, and we got to keep those running backs healthy too. So that's my number one key. Uh, I don't worry too much about Spencer. He's an old dude, so I, I'm not too worried about him. Then on the defensive side, <clears throat> we need to slow their run game down, um, and, and I think we make them throw it on us. I, I know our, our pass defense has been shaky this year, but um, I just feel like we can hold our own with these guys, uh, and, and Leary's been very uh, – is it O'Leary or Leary? Leary. Yeah, Leary. okay. Um. I just think he's been inconsistent. So if we can slow the run game down and we can create a run game for ourselves, I think it's the key to victory. But I'll tell you this, I was I was on the phone with you after the Jacksonville State game, and I told you we were going to win all the rest of them. And then I had a bet with uh, Mike Yuva um, uh, after the A&M game. I said, we're going to win the next four home games. So we'll, we'll see if that pays off, but uh, I'm predicting we do. Well, I, 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 I'm right there with you. I hope you're right because if we do, um, then where are we headed, JC? Tampa. Gasper, the Liberty Bowl. Gasper, yeah, Liberty it Bowl. may end up being the yeah, because there's not. I mean, if Florida doesn't, because Arkansas's out, Vandy's definitely out. 
Um, Florida is probably going to be out. Florida's not. Listen, Florida's a terrible team. They're cooked. We, sh- we, we had no business losing that game, and it's probably uh, the most pissed off I've been after a game since the Tennessee catch-on-the-shoulder field goal game at the end uh, that I've been. So, hmm. ten, you, 10 years you, apart. 10 years, yeah. I don't know. There was oh. three games the following year that year that were pretty heartbreaking, too, and 14, all those fourth quarter – yeah, the, the, I get those, but we just weren't very good. Okay, that, yeah. that's uh, well, that's, that's the point. I felt like the Florida team; we were just better. I don't think Florida's that I, good. Um, Kentucky twenty seventeen took my soul away, and that that Florida game. Yeah, that I, was had, a I had to have a day of reflection the next day. You, you, yeah, you but, realize that that's the only difference in these two games. I mean, these two teams, Florida, yeah, the Gamecocks blew it. Yeah, 100%. Wildcats beat them. What, Outside and, of that, hey, they we, have the same one. Our, our our non-conference schedule is a lot tougher. They, they played school of the blind and the deaf uh, yeah. the first three games. Yeah, That's why they have six wins right now. I mean, the, the, they're lucky. But Kentucky always plays the softest schedule out of everybody in the SEC, so, mm. which is Every smart, year. which is smart. I don't, I don't blame them. But, yeah, uh, it's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, by the way, that 2013 Tennessee game in Knoxville, I was there. They beat us on the last second field goal because of that crazy catch. If we don't lose that game, we would have played Florida State in the national title that year. Guarantee it. We would have beat Auburn in the SEC championship. It is uh, the second second most costly loss outside of eighty four Navy in school history. And I was there. I, I, I dated the. I was dating this girl, the worst girl I've ever dated in my life. Terrible person. She's a school teacher, Tennessee fan. Lucky to know the ball is here. We go round. again, Bill. Right? This lady really did a number on <laughs> she, him. She golf clubs. Oh, it's, this, the, is, this is we're, not we're, hyperbole we're, we're either. Right she behind, was a terrible person. Right, yeah, she was a terrible person. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what she's doing right now, but it's probably something terrible. Right? Yeah, but whatever it is, it's uh, not you know, good. But uh, so she, we're right behind the Carolina uh. pet band in Knoxville, and, and yeah, with with Carolina people, you know, like yeah, you know, and Tennessee was god awful that year. I fully expected uh, Carolina just roll in that game. And there were some big plays to Bird and Davis and stuff. And then they won. And <laughs> I was like, yeah. a week later, that relationship was over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that one stung. And uh, that Florida game this year stung. I think there was what, still 45 seconds left. And I told Brewer, I was like, I'm out of here. I ain't going to lie. I just got up and walked out. No, I was off. so pissed off. And Brewer's like, hey, we still got 45 seconds. I was like, I'm done. Like I just can't. <laughs> Kentucky in 2017 got me because their their streak had their streak wasn't that long at the time. Carolina beating NC State on the road. They whip Missouri on the road. Debo scores a touchdown the first play of the game. It's a blackout interception by Sky. The next play, man, and you're you're like, well, the, it's year year two of the must champ or yeah, two of the must champ era. And you're like, hey, here we go, here we go. <laughs> What was that final score? 21 20 or so? 20, 23 13. Because they. Oh, that's right. We I, didn't I, score the rest of the game. Yeah, I think Kentucky's yeah, a, yeah. what I call a spider web. Josh Payton calls a spider web team. They will get you in your their spider web, and if you play their game, they will beat you ugly. I mean, and that's what yeah. it was. Because it, it was 6 nothing. Carolina misses the extra point, an ominous sign. And the next thing you know, you look up, Kentucky's up 14 6 at half. Jake yeah. Bentley completed 15 straight passes. Carolina could not score. I mean, unbelievable. Kurt, that was Kurt Roper offense at its best. So I, I just, yeah. but I, I had to take a, 
my buddy's a Tennessee fan. They lost on the last play to Florida on a Felipe Franks pass. And we had to sit on the, on the porch and just drink beer the whole next day. And, and, and just, we couldn't believe, I mean, those two things that happened in the same. Yeah. Those are, those are gut punches. Trust me. I, I felt it in, uh, Oh three Tennessee when we lost in overtime up there yep. when I was playing James Banks I was sitting in an Outback Steakhouse I was, watching that with my mom I was up there for that one <laughs> that one oh five that was Demetrius that, Summers coming out party too oh man. listen Good listen Lord. listen we uh, us guys on the O line was me Travell Jabari Levy Jonathan Austin mm. Nashon we went into that game we were just like. We felt good about our game plan running the ball. Because, you know, back then, man, we just we just pounded the ball. And uh, we just felt good about it. And Demetrius had 161 yards rushing. And they just couldn't stop us going up and down the field. But we just, we also couldn't finish when we got in the red zone. So that was a little bit of an issue. But, man, we should not have lost that game. So that's another one. That's, that's my top three worst losses as a Gamecock. Yeah, those Lou Holtz, Tennessee games, era. Tennessee Blue Holtz Air games were brutally tough. Every yep. single damn dang one of them. But we used to kill Kentucky every year, so that was fun. That's right. Everybody killed, yeah. <laughs> that's the way we'll beat Georgia and Kentucky, and we just can't beat Tennessee or Florida. We're <laughs> <laughs> the more physical football team. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't want to get my Holtz going. Well, hopefully out. tomorrow night that returns for the Gamecock 730 we have no business. We have no business losing to, to Kentucky. Ever we out recruit them, this is a better program. We should never lose Kentucky, which the players in there know it. They've been told it from older guys. So if you win this it's, one, it's it's, a, you're back to three out of the last five against those guys. Though, if you, yeah, just, yeah, you're back on they, track. They won that one in nineteen. They won in up there, and uh, you know. So it would be. We'll it's, it's, it's a big one. It's two in a row. One. It yeah, is no the next two. You got a. You got big opportunities to make big statements, and uh, we'll. Start figuring it out tomorrow night. It's been a four-point swing on the spread this week. Carolina now one-and-a-half-point favorite over Kentucky in Williams-Brice Stadium. John, I'm assuming I'll see you tomorrow. I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I, I will I will be around. I will yeah. be uh, ready to roll at 7.30, put it that way. Yep, well, I'll, um, I, I, I'll be at Michael's early tomorrow. I've got the cooler and the bourbon. All right. and you plan plenty, so – I guess maybe I'll try to meet you over there. Uh, I may have a okay. little bit. I don't know. <laughs> and then we'll all take our shirts off and go to Darien. Yeah. 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 I, 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 got, I got my glow sticks ready to go, okay? Oh, perfect. Yeah. That is sweet. Oh, I can't yeah. wait. John, thank you for jumping in on short notice, and uh, and um, I guess we'll just do it again. Let's out. I'm done with him. I can't take yeah. this, you know, mean, this crap anymore. I'm over. He's a, he's a flaker. I mean, come on. <laughs> See you tomorrow. All right, guys. There you go, John. Thanks, John. All right. All right. Great stuff, as always, here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Gamecock Traditions, if you're going to have your shirt on, that's where you probably want to go to look good. They've got the widest variety out there. Gamecocktraditions.com will drop it off at your doorstep. Now, that comes through the mail, so if you order it online and you're expecting it to be here before the game tomorrow, you're probably going to be out of luck. You might not need to walk on in there and buy it. It is going to be a little chilly. It's going to be absolutely beautiful tomorrow afternoon, but it will start to cool down, and it will be chilly tomorrow evening. And they'll keep you warm. And they've got all the tailgate stuff and everything you could dream of. Maybe it's time to shop this holiday season. Good news. GameCockTraditions.com can help you. Also, just pull up the Chief Sports app. It's right there. 
in the partner section and in the holidays section. Gamecock traditions, keeping you dressed and looking good for Gamecock football and basketball and baseball and everything else. All right, we got plenty still on the agenda here to get to. And a reminder, in an hour, we'll be joined by Corey Boyd, former running back who played with John Strickland at South Carolina. We got our picks on the way. Take a drive around, quick drive around the SEC and much, much more. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barno Co. We'll be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup's Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock, owned and operated. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues in Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, 
Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. I am so excited for the weekend. I could ride one of those brilliantly constructed electric bikes from Electric Bikes of Charleston all the way to Columbia. I might. I might do that, Phil. I just might do that to to burn some energy before we get up there uh, tomorrow morning for the weekend. Uh, The Nanosports chat box and the McKellar guest lines today are... Loaded and full. Glad to have all of you. Thanks to our first two guests, Derek Scott, and thanks to John Strickland for filling in for Wally Pip, Flint, Wally Flint, Wally Flint. Strickland, man, I've always been a big fan of that guy. You know, I've talked about uh, Bainbridge, and and I remember back, I always thought there was a group of offensive linemen that came in, I think Holtz's first full class, and I think he was part of that class, and I always thought he was just a big, mean, tough guy. And a big part of those offensive linemen. I mean, they don't. Uh, a lot of times, they don't make them like John Strickland anymore, right? No. <laughs> there's, been some, there's been some guys come through here and play offensive line. A lot of offensive line couldn't hold uh, a candle to a guy like Strickland. So, and that's not offense to anybody. That's more of a praise for John. But uh, certainly flattered he listens to our show like he does and keeps up with us. And um, I think he's a great guest. Uh, Maybe we well, he's going to be here every Friday during football season <laughs> at twelve twenty. Uh, I'm telling you, I'm done with Michael. Well, I don't even be friends with him. Anymore. Well, we got one more, at, or maybe two. And I don't, I don't know. They'll have a show if, uh, depending on what bowl they get into. So um, I don't. No, know. we'll always have a show. 
We have a show every day, but Mike's out. He's done. It, for, if there's going to be a Flint on here moving forward, it's either Steven or David or Charlotte, <laughs> but not him. Uh, no. Speaking of the chat box, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan Abel in the chat box right now. Uh, he just got in, but, Ryan, I want to say thank you for what you did for Carolina Rise earlier today and what you did for Carolina Rise a couple weeks ago. Uh, I just want to personally thank you for that. I think that's uh, things like that are really – helpful <laughs> for lack of a better term uh and i just recognized your name when you came in here in the chat box i know you're a, a loyal listener and a big fan but just wanted to thank you personally for that so um i won't disclose exactly what he did but he did something very nice for uh the effort the calls the nil so i uh, certainly appreciate that man absolutely yeah we certainly appreciate that glad to have you in ryan and everybody else uh as well uh a couple of quick notes on the Games this week are on, yes, I don't know where my head is. My head just fell off my shoulders, apparently. A couple of quick notes on games this weekend uh, in the SEC. First and foremost, what are they outside of Kentucky and South Carolina? Chattanooga is at Alabama tomorrow at noon. Oh, poor Chattanooga. They're pulling the tide at the wrong time. Man. Oh, wait a minute. Nick Saban would say, yeah. you don't remember the Citadel game, do you? Well, yeah. I, I don't care what yeah. Nick would say. They're going to – I mean, Chattanooga's had a nice year, but they're not going to feel like it when they walk out of there uh, tomorrow afternoon. UL Monroe is at Ole Miss. The Rebels are 37.5-point favorites tomorrow at noon over Monroe. That game, of course, is at Bald Hemingway. Uh, you got Southern Miss at Mississippi State. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that in just a little bit. It, don't don't fall asleep at the wheel because the Bulldogs might want to be careful here. Abilene Christian makes the trip to uh, head coachless Texas A&M at noon tomorrow in College Station, or I guess 11 o'clock their time. Hmm. New Mexico State is at Auburn. God bless New Mexico State for allowing us to quit losing games back in 2000. They've had a nice year, by the way. They're eight and three. How about that? New Mexico State is eight and three, but they're 25 and a half point underdogs on the Plains against Auburn. Uh, Florida International is at Arkansas at 7 30 tomorrow night on ESPNU. The Razorbacks are three and seven. I guess theoretically they could still go to a bowl game if they can win these last couple. Uh, they do have Missouri coming up next weekend. I don't anticipate they'll lose this one because they're 20 and a half, 29 and a half point favorites over Florida International. Uh, Sean Elliott and Georgia State, they're 32 point dogs on the road in Tiger Stadium tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, as in like LSU. What's interesting about this game is it's very rare that you see like Georgia State at LSU nationally televised on ESPN2 in November, but it is. So you can watch it if you want to. Uh, Florida is, of course, at Missouri tomorrow night at 7.30 on ESPN. The Gators are 11-point dogs in Columbia at Farrow Field. Missouri in search of their ninth win of the year. If they get this one, they got to go to Arkansas next week. There is a real shot, boys and girls, if you haven't paid attention. Missouri finishes the year at 10-2. And, and then, of course, the big one in the SEC, the dogs are in Neyland to take on Tennessee, Georgia is a 10-point favorite, and they're looking to keep that undefeated record intact. Uh, the Vols, of course, 7-3, and 3-3 three, three and three in the league, and they've got Vanderbilt next week at home. So looking to end on, in a big way here. Hmm. What a schedule. 
Uh, yeah. I got I got some things to say. First of all, shout out to you, Chris. Went to high school, elementary school with Chris in the chat box. Always good to see lifelong friends pop in. Uh, but uh, all right, so. Uh, first of all, New Mexico State, and then I want to I want to get your take on this Southern Miss thing because I got some thoughts as well. <laughs> uh, New Mexico State, right? So they're coached by a guy named Jerry Kill. If there was a Greek tragedy for coaches, Jerry Kill, Shakespeare would have written something about Jerry Kill and his career. This is a guy that's no different than Brian Kelly as far as how he worked his way up. He won at Saginaw Valley State. Went to Emporia State, rebuilt that program in two years. Started coaching the Salukis of Southern Illinois. That is in the middle of nowhere, by the way. Uh, went 55 and 32. Took Northern Illinois, much better job. Three straight bowls there. Then Minnesota was in the dumpster, like the dumpster of all dumpsters. Takes Minnesota. He starts building that thing slowly. Three straight bowl games, and including the Citrus Bowl in 2014, which is big for the Gophers. Has to resign the next year because he's having seizures. Mm -hmm. Takes a bunch of assistant jobs here, there, and yonder. Virginia Tech, uh, TCU. Interim coach at TCU after they fired Patterson. Uh, goes two and two there. Then takes what's probably, and you can ask Mike Morgan about this, because Mike has actually called a game in Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, and at the time, they weren't even in a bowl. They were a Division One independent. Takes New Mexico, New Mexico State, right? Goes six and six and goes and wins the quick lane bowl in Detroit, seven and six. This year, they're eight and three and at the top of Conference USA. So, this guy's 173 and 113 in his career. He's worked his way up from the bottom rung of programs all the way up through the to the Big Ten, Big 12, now kind of in the worst job in FBS, right? One of, one of them. Maybe the worst one. Because, I mean, that's, that's not only. I mean, there's no players in New Mexico. Uh, it's overshadowed by the mighty Lobos. It's in Las Cruces. I mean, it is. It is. It is I, they win at basketball somehow. I don't know how. Maybe maybe it's UTEP's success over the years that's rubbed off on them because that's their big rival. But this guy's eight and three at New Mexico State. What if he hadn't had the health problems? Right. Where would he be now? Because he would have probably kept on winning at Minnesota. Probably ended up with Michigan or something like that. So it is a tragedy what's happened to Jerry Kill. And, uh, you know, you just – he's a good man, too, does lots of charity work and stuff like that. But, you know, I don't think they're going to go in and beat Auburn. But Auburn better not have their head up their behunkuses and, and not play hard because this is a good football team and well-coached. I would agree with that. I, I, I They're not going to beat Auburn, but I, I certainly think that they'll come in and – Probably have a nice first quarter or first 20 minutes of the game or something like that. Um, I agree with you. I have a lot of respect for Jerry Kill. And uh, hats off to him. <laughs> you can't – winning anything at New Mexico or at New Mexico State is damn near impossible, and he's 8-3. and three. So, that says something. I don't care who they've played. Congratulations. Dude, yeah. I mean, I, they, were, they were all – God all – I mean, you know, ask Mike Morgan. Ask Mike Morgan. Uh, and they even – Bill, get the him on the horn. They beat their arch rival Lobos. Uh, you know, they, they they lost three games. One was to UMass in the opener. One was at Liberty and Jamie Chadwell. And then the other one, they had to go all the way to Hawaii and lost by a field goal. They play good defense. They play decent offense. I mean, they're a good football team. I mean, for their level uh, for Conference USA. So, we'll see what happens. Hey, they've there. got Jacksonville State next weekend, by the way. Ooh, L. That's, 
That's juicy. <laughs> they got, they've got. They're, I, matter of fact, listen to listen to this finish for New Mexico State. They've got Jack. They've got uh, all, the, obviously at Auburn, and then they got Jacksonville State. But they've already they've already qualified for the Conference USA uh, championship uh, championship yeah. because mm-hmm. remember Jacksonville State is not eligible. Yep. Right. So New Mexico State gets to play Liberty again, but I'm pretty sure that the Conference USA title game is hosted by Liberty, so it's going to be a home yes. game. You got to go up to Lynchburg, but I mean that flight from Las Cruces to Lynch again. Lynchburg, my God. Yeah. And they lost. I mean, they already went there. The they went there in week three, and they lost thirty-three to seventeen. You're gonna have to go through Atlanta and connect on one of these puddle jumpers and fly into maybe Roanoke or something and drive. I mean, it's that's gonna be brutal unless they just go private, which they obviously could. But uh, I mean, I don't know what the budget is at New Mexico State. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the type of team. They might probably, be well. They might be driving. Probably taking the bus. You know. I mean, those guys. guys I mean, it's. I mean, there's not a lot of TV money in Conference USA, and they weren't in. Phil. See, what's crazy, Kill took that job, and they weren't even in Conference USA. Conference USA didn't take them because the American rated Conference USA. Phil, get Michelle Wilkins on the phone. We need to send some electric bikes out to our boys in New Mexico State to make the trip. <laughs> there you go. To, uh, you know, they probably, honestly, they probably wish that after the Auburn game that Jacksonville State wasn't coming to town. They probably they'd rather just ease on down to Jacksonville, Alabama, from Auburn, and then leave there and just head on to Virginia. Just take a little three week swing on the East Coast. But you know, anyways, uh, Miss, uh, Southern Miss will make the trip to uh, Mississippi State this weekend. Uh, this <laughs> this is really actually kind of an interesting series when you look at it on the surface, and here's why: Mississippi State does lead the all time series. 15, 14, and 1. Barely, but they have only played three times since 1990, and that is part of a five-game winning streak uh, for the Bulldogs. The the last three, 14, 15, and 19, really haven't been that close, about 24-point games uh, that swung the Bulldogs' way. But, guys, it it is a really strange time right now in Mississippi. the portal is not going to be easy on them. It already wasn't going to be easy on them uh, based on some good intel there, and it's about to get worse. Uh, JC, I'm quite confident you've probably heard some very similar things. Now they don't have Zach Arnett, and you just wonder where this team is. Southern Miss has not really had a good year, but it's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff in Starkville with very few people in the stands and probably a bunch of Southern Miss folks because they don't get to play the Bulldogs as often as they'd like to. I think Mississippi State, although they're, I think, you know, what, 10-point favorites or something in this game, they, they better be very careful. I could see I could see the Eagles walking in and beating them. Yeah, Southern Miss isn't all that great, right? I mean, they're, they're, this is not your, you know, big time, like when Larry Fedora was no. at Southern Miss and – you know, uh, after that, they were good, you know, and, that, and they kind of got caught up in this, this conference thing, too. I mean, when they didn't get – Y'all know who their the running American, back is, by the way? Their Southern Miss is starting running back? You know uh, who that Frank is? Frank Gore, Jr. Yeah. Man. Yeah, little Gore. Uh, but, look, the bottom has fallen out in Starkville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it started at Auburn. I mean, I, you know, they, they kind of got up off the mat when they beat Arkansas in that weird, bizarre – 
the, the only that was like the only time that I think they played defense all season, but they beat Arkansas uh, and got Enos fired. They go to Auburn the next week, put on kind of a spirited battle, lost by a couple touchdowns. Well, then people kind of start, you know, getting are they hurt? What they what are they doing? So all of a sudden, strangely enough, Will Rogers and Marks are just out. And uh, Kentucky comes to town, and 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 they they actually dove head first into Kentucky's spider web and lost twenty four three, and then A and M obliterates them in Jimbo Fisher's last game, which is even weirder. Um, yeah. and uh, they've been pretty good against Texas A and M since A and M came to the league, the Pirate especially. So they're in trouble. I, I don't I don't think their players believe in anything that's going on there right now. They lost their head coach. He's out. You know, there's a lot of mystery. There's guys looking at the portal. And I'll say this about Southern Miss as an institution. Probably the players, too, have been, been preached that down in Hattiesburg. They hate Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Oh, yeah. They don't They don't think they should take a back seat to either one of those schools. I mean, they're obviously at the lower level. But when they get a shot at one of those two schools, it's special. And they – people don't realize this. They're a bunch – it's like East Carolina. They're a bunch of Southern Miss fans. And they will come up there and gobble up tickets and be loud and proud. You you just do not want to play them. You know, I, I think Mississippi State, if you're Mississippi State, I never know why you schedule Southern Miss. If you're Ole Miss, I don't know, I don't know why you ever schedule Memphis. Same kind of deal. But so, to make no mistake about it, this is the Super Bowl for the Golden Eagles. And they're getting them at 11 a.m. after all this controversy. And, God, I don't know who's going to be playing and who's not. Uh, poor Greg Knox. This is his second interim gig. <laughs> Is he like Coach O? Will he get the LSU job? No. Uh, <laughs> he was the interim guy at Florida when Mullen got fired, too. Uh, Greg's been around for a long time. Used to be at Auburn, stuff like that. So he gets another swing, you know, <laughs> swing at the interim gig. Uh, man, I just don't know. Like I said, Southern Miss isn't that good. The ESPN FPY or whatever says 87% Mississippi State. Mississippi State's a 14-point favorite. But, man, if there was ever a time where you could see an inspired, not-so-good football team go knock off an SEC team that's wounded, you know, just keep keep an eye on this one. I mean, I, I just uh, – I, I kind of know the, you know, Southern Miss fan base and, and, and the pride they have. And, I mean, they're going to come in and try to take it to them. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's about want to. And uh, they want to, there's no doubt. And a couple of things – want to matters in stats like turnovers and run defense and last week mississippi state gave up 246 yards on the ground against texas a&m and they are minus four in the turnover margin this year as well those are two key stat lines coming into this game so you get a guy like frank gore jr who as well as he's run it is uh is coming in looking for an opportunity frank gore jr in his last three games has gone for 247, 131, and 158. That's 530 yards on the ground in his last three games. So Frank Gore Jr., I'm going to go ahead and get out in front of this. I know that we got to get to a break here, but it's, it's part of our picks today anyways, Southern Miss and Mississippi State. I'm taking the Eagles on the road in Starkville. They beat them 75-3 to is the final score, 75-3. to That tracks. You see, yesterday I was again. Both of y'all, I don't know if Carolina covered the thirty-two against Clemson. I said, "Hell, they might score two hundred, and if they didn't turn it over fifteen times, it would have." You can't. 
You can't compare that to this. Oh yeah, it's seventy-five to three. You're dead wrong, Phil. Does Southern Miss pull the upset? That's a reeling Mississippi State team. Yeah, I'm going with Southern Miss. I like that. That's a nice upset pick. Brett Favre is not walking through that door, people. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it to the guy who's in last place. State can play a little bit of defense. I mean, you know. Nah, they're going to get beat. They play defense this year. They're going to get beat. (laughs) I'm calling it. It's over. So is this segment and this hour. Corey Boyd will join us in hour three. We'll lead off with the Gamecocks and the Wildcats next here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down.
Final hour inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network, which is probably served by our friends at Dixie Vodka, JB, JC, and Phil, in for one final hour today and this week, Kentucky and South Carolina. That game will be picked a little bit later on with our special guest picker today, Corey Boyd, former running back of the Gamecocks. Thanks to John Strickland and Derek Scott for joining us earlier in the program resetting the scene here kentucky and carolina gamecocks two wins shy of getting to 500 and see securing bowl season kentucky's already in bowl season but they've got a difficult one tomorrow night at 7 30 under the lights of williams bryce stadium only a couple hundred tickets remain if you don't have one you can buy them now uh more than likely they won't be there tomorrow tom hart jordan rogers and cole kubelik will call it on tv tomorrow night on the sec network todd tommy and chet have it on the Gamecock Sports Network, and on Satellite Sirius XM Radio, Channel 109 or Channel 190. Shane Beamer would improve to 8-3 and three in November as the head coach of our Gamecocks if he can get a win. The injury report, pretty much the same as last week. Juice Wells, Trey Jones, Cason Henry, and on Joyner all out. But even though we didn't see him last week because they didn't need him last week, Trey Knox will play tomorrow night against the Wildcats. Also, we'll see the same five starting offensive linemen for the third straight week or weekend, I should say. We'll see if that matters as well. That could be a good omen to going 3-0 and in this stretch and hopefully more than that down the line. The last time that these two teams met, it was last year, and it was sold out October the 8th at Kroger Field up in the Bluegrass. 13th-ranked Kentucky came in. And they left with their tails between their legs. 24-14 was the final. Carolina and Marshawn Lloyd went up there and did it. Spencer Rattler went 14 of 19 for 177 and a touchdown. Lloyd carried it for 110 yards on 22 carries. And the Gamecocks took the lead only 13 seconds into the game and didn't trail after that, if you remember the turnover that began to create the chaos that was that evening. It was 7-7 at halftime, but Carolina would hang the next 17 points on the board to earn the upset victory, holding Kentucky to under 300 yards of total offense. The last time they met here, wasn't as good. Chris Rodriguez ran for 144 yards on 26 carries, and Matt Ruffalo connected on three field goals. The Gamecocks only scored 10 points that night, and the Wildcats, though, only scored 16. But last time I checked, that's six more than 10, and Carolina fell 
on September 25th, 2021. Hoping that that won't happen this go-around. The Carolina defense that night did force three turnovers, but the offense only had 216 total yards. That guy is in Nebraska now. Dow Loggins runs it, and they're hoping to at least double that tomorrow against Kentucky guys. But the, one of the things that I think is really, really important in this game, I know John mentioned earlier that he doesn't believe that Carolina will be able to run the football or uh, win the game unless they run the football. I think he's right. It doesn't mean that they have to be able to run it for 250 yards. It means they have to be able to run it when they need to run it. And what does that mean? Does that mean that they need to be able to pick up a third down or a fourth down? Probably. But does it also mean that they need to be able to set up some plays for Rattler and those guys to go out and do their thing? I think that's a lot of what it means as well. Um, so we'll kind of see it all. But the, the turnovers, the Gamecocks have created six of these in the last two games. JC, Mad Dog, I think that's important tomorrow night too. I think that they've got to get the Wildcats to cough it up a couple of times, and I'm confident they will. Uh, yeah. You got to sell out to stop the run, I think, and then that'll help you with creating turnovers because I'm not buying Leary or this O line. So something tells me you'll be able to disrupt. Mississippi State held Kentucky to 271 total yards in that game. So it wasn't, I mean, Kentucky had 21 points at halftime. And then, as they kind of do, like took the air out of the ball second half. But, uh, yeah, they held Kentucky to 110 rushing yards. Uh, but Kentucky did not turn the ball over in, in that football game. And uh, Mississippi State struggled to do just about anything. And that's been Kentucky's only game they've won, guys. I mean, other than that, they've been taking L's, baby, uh, since the uh, Florida win. Uh, you know, they, they got up on Missouri early. Missouri comes back and beats them. Georgia beat the tar out of them. That Tennessee game reminded me a lot of Carolina's game with Mississippi State where, yeah, the final score was six points, but I thought Tennessee was in control the whole time. And then Alabama just beat the bejesus out of them. I mean, it wasn't close. And so – or competitive. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. You think they're just going to march into Williams-Brice because of what's happened in the past? And I just don't think – I just don't think they will. Uh, You know – Ray Davis scares you because Ray Davis went for 167 yards on 20 carries for the Vanderbilt Commodores last year against this defense. Uh, but, man, if you think about it, too, that, that 2021 Kentucky team was a really good Kentucky football team. Okay, they I think they went to the Citrus Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, and won it. I think it would be Penn State down there, actually. Um, maybe not Penn State. I think Arkansas beat Penn State that year. They beat uh, – oh, who they beat? They beat uh, Iowa. Um, really good Kentucky football team. Okay. And, and Carolina literally just Kentucky almost gave them, literally gave them the game. Right. But because of certain offensive, uh, strategy struggles, (laughs) you know, that they couldn't, uh, and that's kind of, that was the first time I really sat there and thought guys, I was like, Carolina's going to be in trouble with uh, Satterfield because it just, there was no reason for Carolina to lose that one. I mean, you know. And then there were some drops and stuff that happened. So that was that was probably one of the more disappointing losses that Beamers had here. And one of only two losses at night at home. Of course, September doesn't get dark until halftime. Until it's dark at the end, so it wasn't really a night game. And since the light show came to town, he hadn't lost. 
Yeah. Yeah, they've been really good, as I mentioned, and especially in the month of November. If he wins tomorrow, it'll be eight and three just in the month of November period. Uh, and then the, the night games as well. I think that record's five and one. The, you mentioned the Kentucky um, defense, uh, fifth in the league, 26 in the country in rush defense, allowing only 115 yards per game uh, on the ground. But you always got to look past the numbers. And that's what we do around here. In those last four losses, they've given up 177 yards per game. So that is a good sign for South Carolina. You know, again, on the flip side, not trying to take anything at all away from Ray Davis. I like Ray Davis. Uh, there's, there's, that's not, that, that's not the point of this. But you know, he's only carried it for 67 yards per game since he went for that 280 against Florida. That's it. And it's not like they just stopped giving him the ball. They are giving him the ball. He's been stopped. And I know that he's been stopped against good defenses as well. John Strickland made a good point earlier. Carolina, really, overall up front, I mean, I know they had some troubles in the Jacksonville State game, but they actually really hadn't been that bad, guys, for a while in, in, in being able to stop the run. I mean, going back to the Mississippi State game when Will Rogers, uh, you know, they forced him to throw it, and he did, doing what he has historically done. They, they've actually been pretty good at stopping the run or at least uh, slowing it down. And if they can do that tomorrow night and you, and Devin Leary has to run out there and throw it a bunch, you know, we'll see. Now, I will say this. Like, I'm not totally dismissing Devin Leary. Um, I, I think that he's struggled. He has. But he also, in his career, we have seen it at NC State, is very capable of having a big night. Uh, and 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 so, like, you don't want to just dismiss him. Oh, shoot, if he has to throw it 30 times, well, Carolina's going to run away with this thing. That's not necessarily true. Kentucky's got some good playmakers. Uh, it just really hasn't clicked the way that they'd like it to thus far. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to your point, when, when Carolina has committed to stopping the run, they have been fairly effective. Um, and Leary, yeah, it just, it's interesting. Like, we have not seen that potential sh- having Devin Leary that you saw at NC State last year since he's been to Kentucky, which might be a function of both, uh, you know, the, the, the second coming of uh, Liam Cohen, as well as that big blue wall is not as big <laughs> or effective as it was two years ago when Cohen was there, his first run. So um, I, I, I just think you, you can, you're going to have opportunities in this game. Not maybe not necessarily to sack, but to disrupt what it is that they're trying to do through the air. Uh, and, and, and that's where, you know, like I said earlier, you're going to create some turnovers and it's going to give you some momentum in this game. Hey, you, if you take away those first three games, again, you can't take away games. It's not how this game is played. But if you take away the first three games where they just ran out there and beat the crap out of Ball State and Eastern Kentucky and Akron, uh, now he had the game – his game of the year was against Tennessee. He was special. 28 of 39 for 372 and two touchdowns uh, up there in at Kroger Field. That's a great ball game. And so don't want to take away that at all. But, you know, since those games got – you know, those first three games, here are his numbers just passing yards-wise. And every other SEC game that he's played, he threw for just 205 against Vanderbilt. He threw for 69 against the Gators. He threw for 128 against 
the dogs a buck twenty against Missouri. I mentioned the three seventy two, and then the last couple of ball games against Mississippi State and against Alabama one fifty six, and then the tide allowed him to one hundred fifty eight uh, yards through the air. None of those, none of those games did he complete over sixty percent of his passes, with the exception of the game against the Vols, where, again, it was just one of those nights that he was special. He has not been over 60% in any game this year, as a matter of fact, except for against Akron and Eastern Kentucky. Again, he's capable. So I don't want to shut it down like, well, this guy is nothing to worry about. He is. There's a reason why they've got him. Uh, but it really just hadn't worked so far. I honestly don't think he's been the same since he went to um, Clemson last year. I watched that game. Uh, and prior to that, he was looking good. And, man, he, I don't know if he, like, fell apart or what. NC State lost the game 31-21. I think they thought they were supposed to win that one. Um, and, uh, and and that was kind of that with him. And then he kind of got out of Dodge and, you know, is, is kind of was supposed to be better at Kentucky this year. You know, I, I think their offense, too, kind of just like South Carolina's used to be, Probably not to this extent, but it, it it's still kind of complicated. It's still tough to pick up in one year, uh, all that good stuff. So, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it, it, look, it's the same recipe to beat Kentucky, right, that you always have. You know, you got to stop them from running, and you've got to score points on them. Do not get caught in their spider web. Do not get into a 14-7 fourth quarter game. Uh, you need to put points on the board. You know, boom, boom, boom. To play like you're capable of at home, like you always have all year in every home game, and I promise you South Carolina will be fine. This is not a Kentucky team with a whole lot of offensive firepower. They have some nice players. They have some players that if you don't get them on the ground, they can big play you to death. But that's not their game is going up and down the field. So, uh, you know, if you're the Gamecocks, uh, I think the offense has to put points on the board just like they have all season long at Williams-Brice Stadium, and they'll be fine. A couple of Palmetto State connections in the game as well. Kentucky has four players from South Carolina on the roster. Defensive backs, Jalen Geiger, he's out of Columbia. Andrew Phillips from Malden. And Jordan Robinson, also from the Columbia area. Kicker Chance Poor is also from the Midlands. Alex Rayner, by the way, speaking of kicking, 9 of 10 on field goals this year. And, uh, J.C., as you pointed out, the spider web, that's the uh, – that's it. That's the magic potion. Oh my God! They just kicked a field goal with two minutes to go to give them the lead. How did that even? How did that even happen? A couple of other things to pass along here. We are on, you know, record watch or climbing the ladder watch, however you'd like to word it. Let's start with Spencer Rattler, who thus far this year, in neutral site games and at home, I <laughs> wow, man, it's really, it's really been pretty magnificent. Uh, thus far, 151 of 190 at Williams-Brice and in Charlotte, 2,049 yards, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. That's it for Spencer Rattler. He's averaging 341.5 yards per game at home and 3.25 touchdowns per game at home as well. Rattler comes into the game with 5,893 career passing yards. He is 181 shy of Connor Shaw. If he gets to 182 this weekend, he'll be fifth all-time, and he probably won't move past that because Jake Bentley's number four, and he's going to need another 1,500 yards in the next six in the next four quarters to make that happen. 
or eight quarters. So I don't foresee it. But Rattler with 181 yards will be fifth all time in passing at the University of South Carolina in only two seasons or under two seasons, I guess you should say. Spencer Rattler also right now in 2023 is 697 yards shy of Dylan Thompson for setting the single season passing yards record. This weekend, 339 yards through the air if he gets to his average at home. We'll get him into second place, bumping Todd Ellis back into third place. And then only Dylan Thompson will be in his sights from there on out. Uh, Xavier Leggett, of course, is eyeing some records as well. One of them is the single season receiving yards record. Right now, Xavier's 50 yards shy of being number two in a single season all time. If he gets there, he'll pass Sidney Rice on that record or in the record books. And he'll just trail Alshon Jeffries 15 17. He's 425 yards away from that. It seems likely they'll need to get to a bowl game for Xavier Leggett to clip Alshon Jeffrey. He did that in 14 games back in 2010 when they took on uh, the uh, Florida State Seminoles in the Peach Bowl and they took on Auburn in the SEC Championship game. And right now Xavier Leggett is tied with Sidney Rice with six 100-yard receiving games this year. If he can go over 100 this week, and if he can go over 100 next week, he'll tie Alshon Jeffrey, number one all-time on that list, with eight in a single season. So a couple of things to keep eyes on there. Uh, those two guys, if they connect a bunch this weekend, you'll see them start climbing up the ladder. Yeah, and they should. If, I mean, if Carolina's going to be successful, that's the key. And But, heck, guys, I mean, I think everybody's known when they play South Carolina, they have to stop Xavier Leggett for weeks now. And uh, the only one that's – really stopped Xavier Xavier when he was kind of injured against A&M and uh, not a hundred percent against Missouri. I mean, or I'm sorry, he was injured against Missouri and then not a hundred percent against A&M, but uh, he still made some plays in those games where they really missed him at Missouri. And also in those two games, Carolina really missed him, but he comes back, lights up Jacksonville state lights up Vanderbilt. He's lit up. Everybody's played Uh, and everybody knows the ball's going to him. So, uh, Dowell Loggins is doing an excellent job of scheming to get him open. He's doing a good job of getting himself open, uh, and he's doing a good job of separating once he gets the football and also being consistent with the catch. He dropped a couple last week in the rain. that was very unlike him, uh, but he's very consistent catching the ball. Um, you know, Carolina's going to need more than him. You know, Trey Knox comes back this week, so maybe this is the week we see a bunch of 12 personnel, maybe not, with Knox and Simon on the field at the same time. You know, I think that uh, Amari and Brown getting that touchdown last week, amazingly, the first of his Carolina career, you know, maybe that gets him some confidence, gets him going. Omega Blake's touchdown, maybe that gets him going. Uh, You know, they're going to need more than that. Um, The Juju loss is probably bigger than people think, Mm -hmm. not not from a carry standpoint, but from a big play standpoint. Because Juju, if you, you think about the games where Carolina goes up and down the field, you know, inevitably Juju catches a swing pass and goes for 20-something yards or scores a touchdown. I mean, I mean Florida, I think he had two ta- two touches and two touchdowns in that game. Um, and he's a veteran, and he can get in the end zone. So they're going to miss him and to carry on, uh, I think, this weekend as far as those guys' specific roles, and there's really nobody to take their place. I mean, I like Braswell too, but I'm not as maybe high on Braswell as some folks. So uh, I- I'm-, I'm-, I'm concerned about – who else from the running back position is going to produce besides Mario this weekend? 
Um, so that will be a concern of mine as well. I think you are spot on, my man. I'm anxious to see. That's something I didn't get to get get to with John Strickland earlier, but uh, with the lack of depth there, does that change some of the play calling this weekend? I don't think it'll change it a ton, but I do think we'll see some things that look a little bit different from time to time. I agree with you 100% on that. Quickly, uh, JC, before we hit a timeout here, um, because uh, Phil will probably need to double-deuce it and then get to Corey Boyd on the other side of the break. Uh, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, do you have any news, notes, or nuggets to pass along yeah. with prospects coming to Columbia? Yeah, you've got a um, you've got a uh, uh, some guys coming in. Um, Sondra, I don't think that was Brown, by the way. Maybe it was. Uh, was that a Marion Brown in Georgia State in the opener last year? I thought that was DQ Smith and Rashad Amos. But but maybe I'm wrong. I'll have to look that up. Um, when I was his first touchdown receiving. But anyway, despite all that, uh, it it um, Cameron Fountain, the DN that's committed to Southern Cal, he's expected in this weekend. Big time DN. Okay, so you get him if they flip him, and if they uh, hold on to Dylan Stewart, which I think they will, and. Um, that is a uh, that's two top ten defensive ends, mm-hmm. which is pretty good on paper, right? Uh, you know things are still looking pretty good for Jalewis Solomon. Uh, you know he's supposed to be in this weekend and maybe next weekend too. He told he told Hale he's coming to Clemson, Carolina. He told some Auburn people he's going to the Iron Bowl. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, so that's good too. Uh, there's some official visitors coming in. I think a kid from Alabama that used to be committed to Missouri. That's a safety. I think his name's Cameron. I, I need to look into him a little bit more. Quaysheed Scott, who's committed to Kentucky, who's from Marion is in this weekend. Uh, a lot of 2025s are in this weekend. Uh, Michael Smith, um, also is talking about visiting the iron bulb. He's supposed to be in this weekend. The tight end from Savannah was told today as like, you know, any concern about Auburn there? Tennessee's probably the bigger concern. If you're looking for if – you, if you're just going to be on the lookout for another team. But keep in mind, Michael Smith's been committed to Carolina for forever. I mean mm. – and he can step in and start next year because he's good enough to do it, A, and B, they lose maybe Josh Simon, but probably definitely Trey Knox. So, I mean, he's got a, a beeline to playing time uh, at Carolina. And I can't imagine – He's looking at this offense, going, man, they don't get any, they don't get the tight ends the ball enough. I mean, look at look at the numbers as far as tight ends go this year and how productive they've been. Um, this is probably the only fan base in the country that's not screaming, throw it to the tight end more, right? Uh, and so Michael Smith has a bit. So, so I don't know. You know, I was just told that because you know he, there's all this Auburn talk out there, but Tennessee's probably the other one that you're kind of going to take a look at. But yeah, I think they're pretty safe with those guys. It, you know, if, if it's an electric atmosphere, keep in mind the groundwork was laid for guys like Wendell Gregory, Michael Smith, Josiah Thompson, Cam Pringle to commit to Carolina early last spring because of their experience at uh, Dylan Stewart, too. You can add him in there. Their experience at the Tennessee game last year. So a big atmosphere for juniors right here in November can really make an impact. It rarely does with seniors. But juniors, that's, 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 where, you, that's where you make the sausage so to speak looking forward to it close to a sellout 
more than likely will end up being announced as a sellout by the time we get to kick off tomorrow. We will step aside for a timeout when we return. Corey Boyd, running back at the University of South Carolina, will join us. We'll talk a little ball with him, get his thoughts on Mario Anderson. We'll make some picks, and we'll send you about on your weekend. Inside the Gamecocks, the show is proudly served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. And, of course, it is powered by our friends at Electric Bikes of Charleston. ElectricBikesCharleston.com is the holiday season. You might be looking for that big gift for your spouse or your daughter or your son or yourself or anybody else. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Just check them out. Just check them. They're not cheap. We're not going to lie to you about that. But they're not cheap because they're not built cheap. There's a reason. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Hang tight. Corey Boyd when we return. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. Thunder, thunder, feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder, 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 feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder, 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 feel the thunder. 
1.31 p.m. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barn Doco and, of course, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. We hope all of you have it tomorrow while you are getting ready to enjoy some Gamecock football. This, well, he's not a, he's still a young man. He's younger. He's probably feels younger than I do these days. His legs ran him into the end zone 23 times at the University of South Carolina and ran for over 2,000 yards as well. Former running back, but always great. Corey Boyd been, has been kind enough to join us here today to make some picks and talk some Gamecock football. Corey, how are you, man? I'm good. How are you, gentlemen? It, first of all, I hadn't seen you in a long time, so I, I do hope that at some point in time we could get together and and catch up, but we're doing fine. We're glad to have you here. Tell everybody what you're up to, man. Well, I'm actually just leaving the gym for my first workout, uh, headed to my second one. Uh, but that's pretty much it, you know, just taking care of the mind, the body, the soul. As we get older, you know, you got to teach the youth about getting to know themselves and knowing the world that they're in right now. Well, because you've been you've been coaching now for how long? Ten years? Is it that long? Yeah, pretty much. Pretty pretty much over a decade. I picked up coaching uh, in my last year of playing uh, pro ball in Canada. Uh, I started a a uh, a program with three young gentlemen that expanded to where I am now with helping the kids in the community, helping them understand the game of, of football, but also helping them understand themselves first and foremost. And uh, you know, it, it's taking its its way here. So, <laughs> well, man, there's not many people out there. I, I venture a guess, JC, Phil, y'all can jump in here where you want to. Not many people out there better to teach young men than 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 you. Uh, you are uh, one of the best dudes out there, and uh, these kids are they're lucky to have you around. That's for sure. Oh, I appreciate that. Truly do. Corey, how would you like to coach Mario Anderson? Wow, yes, I would love to coach the young man. He, he's a great talent. Uh, he shows, you know, some signs of, of, of Mike Davis, number two, as I was saying uh, earlier to you guys. Um, young man has some good power, good speed, good explosion, you know, could work on a couple of little things in his game, but I see his hunger. That's That's something that I love to see. Uh, he doesn't go down off first contact, and as a running back in the SEC, we need that, you know. And he's uh, he's he's coming into his own. He's definitely coming into his own. You know, Corey, we we had one of your former teammates on just a little while ago, John Strickland. And um, when you had the chance to tote the rocket at Carolina, those guys up front they were pretty good. That was pretty oh, good yeah. group. They were pretty oh, good yeah. group of players, uh, and they oh, were older. Um. What do you think guys like Mario go through when you have a revolving door of offensive linemen every week? Now, this 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 weekend here, it'll be their third straight week with the same group of starting offensive – same starting five up front on the offensive line, finally. But for the large majority of the season, that, that group changed every single week, Corey. What, what is – how difficult is that on a running back if if you don't know who's going to be playing and and you don't know if they know who they're supposed to be blocking? It can be tough if, if, if you're a young guy, uh, not experienced in the backfield. But uh, 
with our young guy, you know, he's he's had some some good, you know, downs over uh where he came from and uh I know he's adapting as the day as the days and the weeks go by, but it's tough as a running back because you know, you you got guys that you build a rapport with that you know where your strengths and your weaknesses are uh in the run game. But when you got a revolving door of offensive linemen, you know, it's just a, a day-to-day, play-to-play uh, deal, and you just got to trust that the guys have been in the lab watching film, been in the work, uh, the weight room, uh, doing their part so that they can win their individual battles. And the best thing that you can do as a running back, and I hope that he's doing it, is, you know, get around the guys, build a rapport with them, you know, feed them as much as you can, uh, you know, give them snacks, do whatever you can so that the young, uh, the young linemen will definitely, you know, fight for you in the alley or nowhere, no matter where you are, they'll give you their, their best. Corey, in 06, you kind of go, you guys kind of went through something like that. Early on, the offensive line was just not clicking uh, under Coach Spurrier. Uh, and then Savelle, of course, came in, took over at quarterback. Uh, I think Justin Sorensen may have been putting the lineup. But uh, by the end of that season, uh, you guys, you and Mike Davis, went up to Clemson and ran all over him. Uh, and protection was not an issue. Uh, is that something that can happen in your experience where a line is not good, but then they kind of get the right guys in and gel? Uh, did you feel that way that year? Uh, I, I, I always love my line. I, I know that, you know, we had our challenges and we had similar, you know, uh, hurdles to climb in my, my final two years with the, with, with the old line. But like I say, the more that they, you know, get in that uh, weight room, the more that, they get into the lab and watch film, you know, it, it, it can definitely help. Um, in my time there, you know, it was revolving coaches, revolving changing playbooks. Um, it was kind of tough. It was kind of tough. But, you know, that's that's why we, um, you know, we get the scholarships that we get. And we got to do our parts. It's just not on the coaches. And, uh, you know, I remember um, at that time we had two Canadian uh, O-linemen playing on our, 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 our offensive line. Uh, they were just getting to know the American game as much as well, too, uh, with Justin Sorensen and Germinder Thind. And uh, we had Jamon Meredith on the uh, on the end, you know, who, you know, was a South Carolina guy who kept the O-line together, kept the morale together. We had Webb Brown in there who was uh, coming of his own as well. But, you know, our, our uh, offensive line, you know, they were a pretty good group of guys. Uh, I just wish I would have seen a little bit more dog and nastiness in them. Uh, they were more passive-aggressive, I would say. <laughs> I got you. All right, so, so, so that – Those Canadians, man, you can't trust Canada, you know. You just can't trust the Canadians, Corey. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say that because, you know, when I played in the Canadian game, it was it – was, it was, uh, it was great to see how they groom their offensive linemen in the Canadian game because the game is actually built around that, the old linemen because it's such a, a quick game. It's a three-down game. So, uh, you know, they got the big bodies. They, they, they're they tall, you know, lumberjack-type guys. Uh, it's just that the, the game of, of the American side is a little bit faster, I would say. It's a little bit more – uh, cerebral and, and not saying that our offensive linemen guys can't learn it, uh, couldn't learn it. When you have so much mixture in there, you know, it, mm-hmm. it changes up how you can go out there and efficiently play as an offensive lineman or as a player in general. 
All right, so Mario's run this past weekend. So, I, I and there's been some good backs come through since you, uh, you know, Marcus Lattimore. Obviously, you mentioned Mike Davis, uh, Brandon Wilds. But it's all right. So I, I, I was thinking about your run against Middle Tennessee State. Do you remember that one? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Oh, that, six, that's where, one of where my you just like, oh wow. I mean, that was one of the highs. I think individual effort-wise on a run, Mario's – and it's no offense to Mar- – I mean, yeah, I love Marcus Lattimore and I love all those players. But as far as a back-making an individual effort type of play like that, I think that one was probably the best one since your run yeah, back in 06. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, young man doesn't go down, like I say, our first contact. Uh, keeps his legs going. Uh, very powerful, quick. Uh, in his burst coming out of, uh, you know, his cuts. He's a one-cut guy downhill. Uh, and it's, hey, meet me <laughs> meet me where you need to meet me at. And if you don't bring your lunch belly, he's definitely going to pound you and, and, and uh, put, you know, impose his will on you. And I love to watch the young man play. Uh, you know, I just wonder, you know, if he, he's working on certain other little things in his game as far as catching the ball out of the backfield and, uh, working on his vision and things of that nature because he can be a a, a four down back. I mean a three down back uh, at the next level. Uh, Corey, right now they're thin at run at the running back position with the carry on out with an injury and Juju out with an injury for the rest of the season. Uh, DJ Braswell is a true freshman who now has been thrown into that second string role, so he's going to play tomorrow night again. What, what is what's some advice that you'd tell a talented? but young running back in this league? Oh, wow. It's, it's a lot of things, you know. Um, you know, continue to work hard, put in the, put in the work, um, even when nobody's watching. Um, you know, trust, trust in your staff, you know, trust in your teammates because those are the ones that are going to, uh, you know, be in the trenches with you no matter what happens. You're, you're always one play away, as you see with our young man. He's always one play away from uh, making a big one, you know. Before you can get the 44, get the four, you know. Focus on uh, being consistent as a running back, you know, no matter what it is, blocking, catching the ball out of the backfield, uh, toting it, uh, being a leader vocally or just, you know, through, you know, your, your work ethic. You want to continuously keep doing that and uh, don't give up, you know. be Always be the hammer and never the nail. And I think he's got that down pack right now. So, <laughs> that, you know, just keep your head. Uh, not everything is going to, uh, you know, be a home run hitter. But the more that you pound on these guys uh, late in the game, you know, that you'll break the will of them. So keep keep doing what he's doing. We'll get to some picks in a little bit. I've never – I've known you a long time. I've never asked you this question, but I'd like to ask it uh, for, for the first time. I'm not teeing you up for anything bad. But you and Demetrius played together. And we all remember how highly recruited Summers was coming out of Lexington. Um, clearly, things didn't work out for him, uh, unfortunately. And, and hopefully, you know, he's found a way to get himself on track a little bit. But how would you compare – it's hard to believe that you two were on the same team. Corey Boyd and Demetrius <laughs> Summers, you know, two of the best running backs that have ever played here. How would you compare the way you ran the football to how Demetrius ran the football? Uh, me and, and, and my brother meet were, were, uh, you know, I hate to say the thunder and lightning, you know, we were like peanut butter and jelly, you know, we made that back, <laughs> we made the backfield mess, you know, coming in as a freshman, I was excited, you know, a lot of people would have shied away, you know, with him being the all American coming in and I'm coming from Jersey and he's at home. 
a lot of people thought it, it would be a landslide that he would run away with it. And, and every day, you know, we, we made a pet with each other that we would push each other and push the old guys. Because at that time, we, we had a stacked backfield with Kenny Irons, uh, Dakis Terman. We had uh, Andre Galls. We had a bunch of guys, uh, you know, that were in that backfield that – Every day we were trying to find a competitive, you know, edge from, from one another. If Demetrius was more of the, the slasher and making guys miss, you know, I had those same type of capabilities, but I didn't want to, you know, be looked at in the same way. So I had to be the punisher. Uh, and I think the coaches started to, to see that as well. And that's what kind of, you know, uh, help with not being able to have to compare each other. You know, he was more of a guy that was a finesse guy. Uh, I was a more consistent, sturdy, reliable, you know, bush in the face type guy. But I did also have those uh, those those capabilities of making guys miss, as y'all guys saw. The more Easy. opportunities that I got at Carolina once my brother Meat was gone, uh, that kind of separated us. You know, Meat wasn't uh, in between the tackles type guy, but uh, you know, he was one of those guys that him one-on-one in some space you know he would definitely make you miss he he would show his 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 greatness and uh you know that's what separated us you know he was a more flashier runner and I was a more in your face type guy Corey what do you what do you think about uh Shane and and the job he's doing here at South Carolina I don't know if you've if you've talked to him I think y'all your final year overlapped with with Shane when he first got to Carolina if I remember correctly right Yes, 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 yes. I spoke to Coach uh, maybe a year ago when uh, we were looking for a running backs coach, uh, and I, you know, expressed some interest, and uh, he told me that, uh, you know, keep going and keep doing what I'm doing, and he, he looked forward to being around for, for quite some time, and hopefully we could connect at some, some point later on down the timeline, but uh, I think Coach is doing a phenomenal job. He's keeping the morale of, of our fans, and and uh, the guys in the locker room together. I know a lot of people like to pick and prod at his uh, his words about, uh, you know, the fans and things of that nature. But he he's just trying to get people to understand, man. Uh, you know, in the SEC, there's it's tough to come by wins each each week. And for every game that he steps out there with those young guys and the the adversity that our team has faced in this year, I think. You know, he's doing a phenomenal job. Uh, I know we like to always compare our coaches and our teams with, uh, you know, the other teams that are in our conference or that are in the nation, but we can't do that, you know. Uh, we have a young team. Uh, I think he's done a phenomenal job on the recruiting trail. Uh, he's building. He's building the same way that uh, Spurrier had to build in his, you know, his first couple of years. So I think as a, as a you know, alumni, um, you know, I'm just – looking forward to seeing us take that that next leap uh i know that this year was a little bit maybe a step back but um as long as we go out there and beat the brakes off clemson i'm cool i'll get into that a little bit later but you know i, I think that we uh we broke them last year you know i think we broke them and uh and they they can't be fixed so when your coach starts saying you know you're clemson and you know, I guess it's our mm. turn to uh, take back the state uh, in that game. <laughs> well, you know what? They're 2-0 and this month, Corey. They're going to look to make it 3-0 and uh, tomorrow night and then 4-0 and against the Tigers next week. Before we make our picks, uh, I know you don't get to talk to a bunch of the Gamecock fans. We've we got a bunch of them 
that get to watch and listen to this show every day. And uh, so wanted to give you an opportunity to to address them real quick and say anything really that you want to say. You're always welcome here. You can be on our program anytime. You, you, I think you well know that. But uh, but uh, since you get don't get to speak to them often, what would you what would you like to say to the rest of the the crowd that used to watch you run? Uh, guys, be patient. I know that is uh you know a rough year. It's tough to for me to watch it as well. But you gotta have faith. Um, you know, we've never truly had a losing season uh, in that nature. Uh, and we're not going to start having it now. Uh, you know, we're going to finish out strong. Uh, so as, as the, as the fans that I know you are, you know, let's stick with our guys, let's promote them. Let's stick by them. We got, uh, two more down the hatch that I think that we can, uh, you know, finish out very, very strong. Uh, and let's send our guys off properly, you know, uh, forever to be. And, uh, let's go fight, win and kick ass. Well, we're going to try to start doing that this weekend. You ready to make some picks? Oh, sure, definitely, definitely. We'll we'll steamroll our way through these things. It uh, as long as we can keep uh, JC from telling a story about every team that's on the list this week, we'll be able to get him get him in and get him out here. About I'm out of stories. Oh, my <laughs> <out of> stories. <laughs> You're in All right, uh, we'll start tomorrow at noon. Third-ranked Michigan without Jim Harbaugh is on the road at Maryland. Corey, I'll lead it off since you're our guest of honor this week. Will they be upset by the Terps? Uh, I believe that the game will be tight. Uh, I think Maryland will come out and give them a little run for their money. Uh, I think that they have a little bit of a mental advantage with uh, Michigan dealing with uh, all the things that they got going. But I think Michigan will pull it out in a tough one by three. JC? I'm going Michigan. Yeah. Michigan. Phil? Yeah, I'm going Michigan, too. I think uh, they're just going to overpower them in the end. I think Corey said it perfectly. I think this thing will be closed for a while, and uh, yeah. Michigan pulls it out. Also at noon, Louisville's on the road at Miami. Corey, Louisville wins, and they're in the ACC title game against Florida State. Will they do it? Uh, no. I think uh, Miami is going to uh, bounce back. I think last week they lost. Uh, I think they'll bounce back this week and give them a run for their money. Uh, Louisville is a basketball school. Uh, <laughs> haven't really liked them since Lamar Jackson left. But uh, I think uh, Miami bounces, and, 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 and the U win. <laughs> JC, I'm with Corey. Uh, I'm going Miami and Phil. Um, I'm I'm going Louisville. Said it yesterday. Although I'm 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 questioning myself after Corey's uh, assessments. There, it, it's it's hard to go against Corey Boy. There's no Louisville doubt. School Corey's right. I, you know, yeah. I, I should have taken yeah. that into account. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to go against Corey Boy, but I'm going to uh, Louisville. Yeah. I think we'll go down there. And win the ball game. All right, Corey. These boys are from Oklahoma. They're going to be in Utah playing BYU. The Oklahoma Sooners trying to salvage it a little bit. Eight and two. Eight and two on the year. They're twenty-four point favorites. Luckily, they play early, like real early, like ten a.m. early in Provo, Utah, tomorrow on ESPN. Can BYU pull an upset, or will Oklahoma get it done? Uh what's the weather looking like? 
Well, it's oh. Utah in November. I haven't checked, but I'm just going to go out. Oh, 30, I'm sorry, 38 degrees and sunny. I believe that because of the weather, you're in Utah. It's an early game. I like the way Utah plays fast. They play as a unit. Um, I'm going Utah. JC? I'm, 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 uh, I'm going to go Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma, shoot, I think they get up off the map. Bill? Uh, yeah, I was leaning Oklahoma, too. I think they do as well. Not being at night is one of the things that kind of gave them the edge for me. But I don't think that spread is going to be anywhere near as far as they think it is. I don't think they're going to cover that 24. I, I'm kind of, I don't know, man. I'm starting to toss and turn. I'm going to go with Oklahoma. But, you know, cold mornings playing football, that just doesn't sound fun. So Yeah. yeah you got to take that in consideration. I'm trying to tell you. Oklahoma yep. has, you know, wavered a little bit these last couple of weeks, man. So, I think a lot of people sleep on Utah because of who they are. But after watching, the, you know, the, the, the Pac-12 this year, I've seen some things. I've seen some things. And uh, I think Utah is going to, you know, do some things. I think they, they can surprise Oklahoma. All right. How about Southern Miss at Mississippi State, Corey? We've already made this pick. Mississippi State has just fired Zach Arnett. Will Southern Miss walk into uh, Starkville and upset him? Uh, again, it's one of those mental things. You know, if the guys, you know, are still stuck on those those, those things, I think they'll they'll uh, they'll struggle a little bit. But I think it'll be a, a back and forth game. Uh, I'm gonna stick with the SEC. I'm gonna go with Ole Miss. I'm gonna go with Mississippi. All right. Okay. All right. Let's see here. Okay. Uh, next up, App State is on the road at James Madison. James Madison is undefeated but ineligible for the postseason. James Madison is also hosting College Game Day this week, Corey. App State is not the App State that we're used to seeing. I got a feeling it's going to be a long day for the Mountaineers at James Madison. What do you think? I, I think James Madison has a phenomenal quarterback. If I'm not mistaken, he's thrown for 2,800 yards, 26 touchdowns, and only seven interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. Young man is having a phenomenal year. Uh, I believe they had a great upset early on this year with the undefeated season that they're having. I'm going to keep rolling with James Madison. I am absolutely on board with him. James Madison blows him out, guys. App State. Yep. You're going with App oh, State. Oh, you're going with App State. All right. I'm going with the upset. Okay. It's a proud program. Corey, don't listen to him. Don't listen. <laughs> it is a proud program, but I think with all this NCAA BS that just went down, James Madison goes, you know, and just flexes on them. <laughs> I see. I think it's a, they're going to be focused on that and not happy. After. That's true. They could be distracted. There could be that aspect of it. You're right. You're right. All right, uh, 3.30 ABC, UCLA is at Southern Cal. Boy, Southern Cal fell from grace quickly, Corey. UCLA might fire their coach. I don't know what's going to happen in this game here, but uh, somebody's got to win it. Southern Cal's a six-point favorite at home tomorrow afternoon. Can the Trojans pull it off? 
Ah, that's a that's a that's a toss up there. Um, the way that UCLA, I mean UCLA has been playing after I've seen them play the Buffs, the guys are tough. You know, they're not going to quit. They they're going to keep you know fighting to the end. I think uh, the other USC has struggled the last couple of weeks. And after watching Kayla Williams cry in his mother's arms, I'm going to go with UCLA. <laughs> hey, I'm with you. I agree with him. They want to fire Chip. Chip Kelly's going, that ain't, we're not going to let this happen around here. If anything, I'm going out as a winner. I think they go in there and beat him. I agree with Corey. UCLA plays defense. Southern Cal does not. UCLA, UCLA, Phil. Same, yeah. I'm I'm going for the defense there. Yep. Across. All right. Uh, Kansas State is at Kansas tomorrow night. Corey, seven o'clock. It's the Dorothy Bowl. Fox Sports One, twenty one, top twenty five matchup. Kansas and Kansas State. That doesn't happen often. Uh, Kansas is a ten point favorite. I'm sorry. Kansas State is a ten point favorite on the road. Who wins? Tight game, another tight game. Uh, both teams have been playing uh, very well in the trenches. Uh, Kansas State always seems to have a good running game, a good complete, uh, you know, special teams game. I think it's going to happen on the special teams. It's going to be a tight game, but I think Kansas State wins by a score. I agree with Corey. I think Kansas State pulls it out as well. JC? Yeah, K-State's just a better team. Yeah. I think they'll win. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they go in there and get the win. Mm-hmm. All right. Staying out on that side of the country, Washington is at Oregon State. JC, you hit the nail on the head with this earlier this week. It's 730 tomorrow night on ABC. Why in the world was Oregon State favored by two and a half? Well, I guess there's a lot of people that thought the same way you did. That's down to one. Oregon State is a one-point favorite. Undefeated Washington, Corey, on the road in Corvallis. Is there an upset brewing here? I'm going to go with Washington on this one uh, because of their quarterback. Um, Heisman candidate guy is uh, doing some things that, you know, we haven't seen in, in quite some time uh, from, from that area. Uh, mm-hmm. I, think, I think with – the way that momentum is going this year, they are the shockers in, in, in the Cinderella story this year. So I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with Washington on this one. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the other side of this. I'm going with a big upset tomorrow night. I think Oregon State, they're pissed about this whole Pac twelve thing falling apart and they're gonna prove it. I think they I think they win. J C Huskies. Huskies and I'm assuming Phil you're right. Beavers. There. Yeah. Beavers. You're with me. You're in my boat. Oh yeah, yeah. I picked the Beavers right. yesterday. Yeah, I think right. they. I, yeah, they, it's not I necessarily don't like, somebody knows something, but they're hot right now. I don't like picking mm-hmm. against Corey Boyd, but you know, some, somebody's got to do it. So, and, and, I, right. and to be honest with you guys, uh, our quarterback over there, uh, I don't want to mess his name up, Ua Lungale. Uh, Ua Lungale. Uh, yeah, I think he's just going to start Clemson in again, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I had the whole totally opposite thing. I was like, I think he's going to show out, outplay Penix, and Clemson's going to fall flat on their face against. Oh, that's boy, that's I, making. I can me. never go for a former Clemson guy or a Clemson guy. So, I'm can I change my pick now that he said that? I think I'm going to change my yeah, pick. Maybe so, maybe so. All right, I'm going with Washington. I got. I can, Corey just brought up a really good point. I can't. Do that. Right. 
right. All right. Um, quickly here, quick pick on this one. I don't think it's going to be close, but it's on ESPN, Corey. Oh, let me ask it a different way. How bad does Missouri beat Florida? <laughs> you, you'll be surprised. I think Florida will come out uh, and, and give them a, a, a little early tough run. Um, it's just always one of those games. You know, Florida is, is always a team that at the end of the year, they seem to find a little way to get those little games. I think it'll be an upset. You think Florida will pull an upset? Yep. Ooh, oh, man. Oh. All right, I can't go that far. You're not going to make me change that pick, Corey. I'm sticking with Missouri on this one. <laughs> Bill? <laughs> I don't think he's that far off. I, I think it's, I think Florida's going to cover the spread. Uh, Florida actually was pretty competitive against LSU last week. Mm-hmm. I, I think they realized that Florida State game next week, Florida State's on a roll. How many weeks in a row can Missouri get up? How many weeks? Because they had to go to Athens. They come back. They play Tennessee. Now they have to play Florida. They got Arkansas on the road after this. I just it's a, it's kind of a tr- it sounds strange to say Florida is a trap game for Missouri, but that's how it's set up this year. That that's exactly <laughs> where I'm coming from. Wow. But I, I, I'm picking Missouri for the record to win, but it's going to be close. It's going to be real. Yeah, they're going to scare them. Yeah, I agree. I'm going with Missouri in a in a tight one. In a tight one. Okay. Like maybe even last minute field goal tight. <laughs> that thicker kicker from he might he might have to kick him another 50 60 yarder to win this game <laughs> hey Corey, the old saying you don't just walk into jack trice stadium and walk out of there a winner tomorrow night iowa state is looking to pull a major upset against seventh ranked texas texas seven and a half point favorites in ames iowa is there another upset brewing here no, I think Texas has been doing a phenomenal job this year. Uh, I think they're going to steamroll these guys, get them out of the way very, very early, uh, and, and, and finish them all. Okay. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think Iowa State, I just I said it earlier this week, there's a part of me that wants to change the pick. But, Phil, I got, I got, to, I got to stand on my own two feet at some point in time. I can't ride Corey Boyd's coattails, so I'm going to stay with Iowa State. Yeah, I'm thinking uh... – uh, I'm kind of with Corey though. I, I think Texas is going to go in there and and is yeah just gonna just gonna finish them off. All right, and JC Iowa State. I'm with you. I was. It's just it's time for Texas to lose. They've been living dangerously, and I, and that's a tough place. I mean, Oklahoma State went up there a few years back, and it cost them a shot at the national championship. It's just it's tough to go up there. Now, I see I see the Texas point too. I mean, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think. This will be a, a Matt Campbell signature win, and everybody will go, well, gosh, why do we stop talking about Matt Campbell? <laughs> the final three to pick here, Corey. Top-ranked Georgia on the road at 18th-ranked Tennessee. It'll be the final day, final game ever for both of these programs on the SEC on CBS because next week the Iron Bowl will be played. Does Georgia have anything to worry about in your mind in Rocky Top? Mm, I think uh, it, it'll start out a uh, back-and-forth game, but Georgia just has so much weaponry, and uh, I just think they're going to steamroll these guys after the second quarter. Mm, I agree. I think Georgia turns this into a debacle for Tennessee. Georgia wins. Phil? Yeah, there's going to be a – a lot of questions swirling around old Rocky Top after Georgia rolls out of there with a, a big win. <laughs> and JC. 
I think Georgia's covers, but I think it's a respectable, like a 35-20 kind of deal. Okay. Corey, last week, Coach Sweeney told anybody that was willing to listen, if you could buy stock, you better buy it in Clemson. They host 20th ranked North Carolina tomorrow at 3.30 on ESPN. Tigers looking to also stay undefeated in the month of November and come into the Palmetto State Clash next weekend with a 7-4 and four record. Can North Carolina derail that? The Tigers are 7.5-point favorites. I'm going North Carolina all the way. Uh, can't give a Clemson any bit of, of anything. Uh, I think their reign is over. I think uh, North Carolina has a good quarterback, some good skilled receivers, uh, a pretty tough defense, as you saw early on in the year uh, when we when we got it to them. Uh, but I think that these guys uh, have something to prove. Uh, they don't want to be second fiddle to Clemson any longer. So I think that they're going to get out there and give Clemson all that they can and win that. I agree with Corey. I think North Carolina – Beats Clemson 75 to nothing. Mm. It's a blowout. Actually, make it 80. Somehow they get a safety and a field goal at the end. 80 to nothing. 80 to nothing. It's over. No, I, I, on all seriousness, I think Clemson has been playing well. But I agree I agree with Corey. There's still something left in that North Carolina tank. They squeezed it out against Duke last week. I like them. I like them on the road this week. I, I, there's going to be enough there. There will be a turnover that changes it. Tar Heels win. Clemson's got the matchups just favor Clemson, man. I mean, it, you know, you have a team that's not playing any defense right now against an elite defense. I mean, can you score enough points? Uh, can the Tar Heels slow them down? I, You know, I don't like the matchup. Just like I didn't like Georgia Tech, uh, I think Clemson wins. Phil? Oh, yeah. I think uh, going back and forth. But you know what? Yeah, give me North Carolina. Uh, yeah, revenge, that's what I'm talking about. The revenge tour, because I've had to I've watched that silly ACC game on repeat on the TVs at work uh, yeah. where they beat North Carolina. I think North Carolina gets them. I think it's I think it's a, a nail biter, but uh, give me old Matt Brown spoiling right. Clemson's last home and game. Finally, tomorrow night at 730 on the SEC Network, Corey, we'll hold you. You'll be the last to pick on this one here. Kentucky and the Gamecocks. Carolina looking for their 20th all-time win in the series. If they can get it, it'll also be their second straight over Kentucky and their third in the last five. Starting to kind of turn this thing back around the way that it once was when the Gamecocks dominated. A couple of keys I've got are create turnovers, wrap up, and get guys into space on the offensive side of the football if they can. I think they'll have a good chance to win. I'll take the lead quickly on this one. And then we'll pass the baton here. Uh, I think Carolina will win. I really mean that. It's not a homer thing. I, I like how they're playing. I like the fact it's the third straight week with the same offensive line. And I like the fact that it's at night in November at williams Bryce Stadium. I think the Gamecocks get out of there. Double-digit victory over Kentucky. Looking forward to Clemson. Phil? Uh yeah, give me give me the game cards. We got O line consistency, continuity, three third week in a row. Uh, you you know, air it out. That's my key here. Just take advantage of a suspect Kentucky secondary, uh, and uh, and just and just roll. I, I like Carolina, but more than cover than JC. <laughs> game cards have to be man enough. 
They got to be big man enough to beat Kentucky this weekend. And I, I kind of feel like we'll have a repeat score from the 07 game on the Thursday night where they were in the top 10 and Carolina beat them pretty good, the Norwood game. Yes. 38-23 Gamecocks. Oh, that's how that's, uh, that score was. So I think Corey played in that game. Corey did. Like Corey that. did. Got a nice score, too. Yes, you did, man. I remember that yeah. play. A <laughs> uh, 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 swing pass to the left. Made it in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Corey, what do you think? All right. Um, I think uh, we have to get out uh, very fast on them. Uh, have a balanced attack. We can't waste any possessions. Our defensive line has to put pressure on the quarterback, and we have to clog up that run game because they have a pretty good runner, um, one of the best that's in the SEC. I think if we can make them one-dimensional outside of maybe the run game or the pass game, whichever one that we can make them one-dimensional in, I believe that we can pull a, a, a good one out, maybe 27 to 21 ish. So, by the score, I think Gamecocks win. Nice. That's what I'm talking about. Now I feel good. Now I feel much better. Corey, by the way, that night had, I think, 104 total yards in that Kentucky game back in 2007, and he did score. And that certainly helped propel, at the time, the 11th ranked Gamecocks over the 8th ranked Kentucky. Wildcats. Corey, it's been a pleasure to talk to you and catch up. Would love to see you soon. And um, you're always welcome here. If you ever need anything from us, you know, just to call me and uh, and yes, we'll sir. make sure we do it for you. Okay. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me today. Thanks, Corey. Thank probably you, Corey. You're, be, you're, you're probably going to be undefeated on your picks, just so you know. Uh, we'll send you, uh, we've got a gift at the end of the season. Undetermined on what it is, but we do have a gift. Okay. All right. Well, you guys stay blessed, and uh, thank you once again for having me, and uh, let's go Gamecocks. Thank you, man. There you go. That's great. Corey Boyd, former running back at the University of South Carolina. That is it. That is all. We are out of time. We're over time. I'm going to start billing somebody. I don't know. I guess myself, because I'm in charge. Yeah. We're going over in past two. Thanks to Corey Boyd, John Strickland, and Derek Scott for joining us today. Always thanks to JC and Phil for what they do. And thanks to all of you for being a part of our programming as well. It's the Gamecocks and the Wildcats tomorrow night. Pull the basketball boys through this evening and get out there and tailgate and get over and see Tyrude before kickoff at Williams Bryce Stadium. For JC and Phil, I'm JB. We're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. We'll see you Monday. It's Clemson Thanksgiving next week here on Inside the Gamecocks Show. Yeah. yeah. Hey. I love this song.